everyone. Hi, hello. It is me, Allison Rosen, and I am sitting in Dining Room Studios with Jensen Karp, whom I know because I was on his podcast, Get Up On This. Mm-hmm. Um, but you probably know him from a ton. He's got, he has his hand or his finger, whichever appendage one puts in all the pots. He's got them all there. I put my full arm. Full arm. Yeah, uh, full shoulder to, to hand, to, right. to phalanges. That's why you smell like minestrone. <laughs> yeah, that seems weird. It's sure. But really, you are a true multi-hyphenate. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Let's just count off the things that have hyphens between them. Sure. You're an author. Yes. Well, you're a writer, yes. journalist, mm-hmm. author of the forthcoming Kanye West owes me $300 and other Tales of a White Rapper. Who, tell me the rest of the title. Uh, Kanye West owes me $300 and other true stories from a white rapper who almost made it big. Just rolls off the tongue. It's so strong. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, I it's made punchy. a book that you will always remember the title of. But it's true. Listen, Kanye West owes me $300. There you That's go. That's strong. You get it. You know what happens. Right. Yes, exactly. That's Although it. I love the cover design. Thanks. Um, and the podcast listeners will be able to see. Is it available for pre-order already? Yes. Everywhere that books are sold, but you can get it at, I mean, this is an early plug, huh? It really is. Uh, Jensencarp.com. Or, or go to Amazon yeah, and click through the banner on my website, alisonrosen.com, if you want. Please. You know, at least look at the cover. I would yeah. like that. Yes. Um, okay, so we're going to get into the book mm-hmm. and whatnot. But you also, well, as indicated by the title of the book, you're a rapper. I was a rapper. Former rapper. Yeah, I'm messing around again for fun as part of like an experiment with the book, but it was something I was like fully armed in. Yeah, uh, more than you are. I feel like you were The whole body. Technically the whole body. You were in the rap soup. <laughs> I was. When I was like a, a early 20s, late teens, I was signed to Interscope Records for a million dollar record deal. Crazy. And, yeah, recorded insane rap records, although I look like an accountant. Okay, we're going to get into that. Yeah. You, uh, you host a podcast. You host multiple podcasts. Yes. And you own two art galleries. Yes. For a long time, I've owned these pop culture art galleries in Los Angeles. Yeah. Which that is fascinating to me because I really don't know that many people involved in the art gallery world. Technically, neither do I. Okay. (laughs) Just me and my partner. We live in a very, we opened it purely out of like, why aren't there art galleries that cater to our age group or our demographic or how much we make? Mm -hmm. And so from there, that was 13 years ago. And we opened a gallery with like affordable pop culture based art, mostly prints and kind of up and coming painters. And since then, 13 years later, we're still doing it. Now you say a gallery that caters to people that make what we make, but you just declared that you had a million dollar record deal. Well, I didn't open the gallery when I had a million (laughs) dollars. That was later. That was during the downfall. When I called my money manager, I was like, what now? Like just screaming. He's like, well, open a business. And that was sort of where it spawned from. Um, but I was, I was hanging out with people who were spending $300 on sneakers and $400 on handbags. Mm. And then you go to their house and there's a $10 poster up. It made no sense. If they had all this individuality about their looks, why wouldn't they have it about their walls? And that's kind of where the concept came from. I like that. And you, now what, what did I leave out on the, the chain of hyphens? Um, I mean, I've, I've produced a lot of comedy. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh yeah. You work for Jash, I did for a long time. Yeah. I was creative, creative, or actually creative director over there uh, for the first year and got to do some just stupid videos that I'm very proud of. Um, and that seems about it, doesn't it? I manage a rapper. Oh yeah, named Nova. Nova Rockefeller. Yeah, she's on on. Uh, she was on Island Records. Now she's sort of putting out her own stuff. But is she a real Rockefeller. 
She is technically. Oh, no, she- no, not at all. She's an Edmonton Canadian girl who lived in a mall because she was homeless for a second. She's, Ooh, just she's like almost Tiffany. The, yeah, exactly. She's almost the. Although, do you think that Tiffany story was real? Are we talking about the same story? Well, I mean, the fact Did that she, she came up in malls. malls. Yeah, like you I feel like you think that that was was uh like an was industry attached plant? to her to make her seem like kind she had of. cred yeah kind of because you don't just walk into a mall and go like i think we're alive you know so pick up a, <laughs> you don't pick up a mic and just start singing oh i wish like that's something it would be, wouldn't even be plugged in no you have to have that set up by a label and but it's a right. great story right yes yeah I, okay i don't know if i forget if this came up when i was on your show mm-hmm. and every now and then comes up tiffany um no <laughs> this idea that cred and indie versus major and selling out and all this stuff was such a big deal when yeah. we were young and like now it does not matter at all no but they used a bob dylan song in a yogurt commercial that's real yeah. So keep that in mind. I think I those will. days are over. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's done. I mean, there was this such a it was such a big deal the way that major labels created indie labels to make it appear that the artist had cred yeah. when really they were on a major the whole time. So you're right. Probably I don't know what label I forget what label Tiffany was on, but <laughs> something they, big. She was on like Columbia or something. Yeah, they yeah. probably did book her in malls across North yeah. America. They're like, how humble. Yeah. She performed near a journey's. Right. Well, now, did Jewel really live in a van? Oh, we're getting into it now. Okay, did Jewel grow? I, that's a question. I, I feel that a lot. She's. I feel like she was too talented and too beautiful. I right. feel like she had some breaks, but I mean, did she live in her car? Did Whoopi Goldberg live in her car? Jim Carrey, did he live in his car? Man, we're really getting deep. I know. Conspiracies. I don't know if those I, people, I don't know. For some reason, I think the Jewel story might be true. Because of her teeth? That was the first thing you I thought of yeah. when you said she's too beautiful to live in a van. I was she like, maybe so, she was. She's beautiful. Oh, she's so hot. To are, me. Now, are you someone who thinks that her snaggle tooth makes her more beautiful? No, just the same. I know she fixed it. You know. Oh, she did. Yeah, she has perfect teeth now. I don't like this trend towards perfect teeth because I think that they are too perfect, and then it looks super fake to me. It looks a little extended out. It looks a little pushed, no? Yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, the, well, ben Affleck, the Ben Affleck one was the toughest. Yeah. Because like he blew up in Goodwill Hunting and then he was in Armageddon and he just had a different mouth. Right. It was just like, why did you do that? But I, I Tom guess Cruise, yeah. his is more subtle. Yeah. His isn't as bad. Yeah. But, now, I will say, I know someone in real life. Me just, too. I know one person. Me too. <laughs> me too. And I was sitting with her and we were getting coffee and I was overwhelmed at the <laughs> beauty of her front teeth. Sure. It's like, you have amazing front teeth. Mm-hmm. And she explained to me that there's an artist and I don't know where who had made these teeth for her. Whoa. And. Wait, you call them artists? She did. Yes. Oh, good for her. I'm suddenly realizing it's very possible that she'll hear this and I cannot go on with this story. <laughs> well, it's very high flutin of her to call him an artist. So I give her credit. Well, I think he was artistic, though, because they did look great. Because they were painted. <laughs> they had like a beautiful Picasso look to them. Um, You know what? Actually, I. I dated someone. Okay. Like, I'm going to switch we're, we're, this yep, story. Yep, audible. We're, called an audible. Yeah, I dated someone who, how did he knock his front tooth out? I do not know. Mm-hmm. But he did. I feel like Orange County, maybe he was ska dancing. Maybe he, he was, was skanking. Lo- he was from Long Island, oh, right. but an equal amount of ska there. <laughs> Today, it's occurring to me that he might hear this too. Oh, My no. God, what? you don't know what an albatross it is to have a huge audience. Oh, no. You really you really <laughs> have dominated the teeth demographic with your podcast. Well, it's because they play me in dentist's yeah, offices. Always, yeah. In arti- dent- dental artist's offices. <laughs> good, good for you. Already calling him artist. Uh, anyway, though, 
at one point, his cap or whatever it was fell off, Ooh. and then he had to get a new one made. Mm-hmm. And he was very excited about the new one because it was different, and it was it was just a little bit different and more subtle and more artistic. <laughs> oh man, these people really take their teeth. They serious. really do because yeah. it's, they're like it's not like I'll take model number four or no. assuming there's models of teeth. <laughs> it's <laughs> they wheel it out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> pull, pull the curtain back. Give me a number. Which one do you right. like? Right. No, it's like they make it for your mouth. But anyway, the point was it looked very good in person, but it looked a little more artificial in photos. Yeah. So I'm thinking these people where we look at them on screen and we're like, those are a bunch of super fake ultra white chiclets in your mouth. Yeah, exactly. In person, it might look better. Okay. I'm just I'm just thinking maybe. I can write down somebody I think just got them. Oh, okay. Hold on. That'll be fun for all the right. audience who's no, not I mean, privy. Well, yeah. listen, we're all we're in this podcast has been a real tooth secret we've 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 (laughs) hid names we've told uh you've brought up ex-boyfriends that you then audible away from uh and so this person i think got fake teeth oh i barely know who that is okay but but i could imagine it it would make sense based on sort of like uh career trajectory a lot of people who just are starting to like find themselves on television have a different tooth situation that's when i see and that bums me out because Mm -hmm. i feel like hey I mean, there's exceptions. There are people where you're like, you probably should fix your teeth. Jewel. I like sure. it though, but I get I it. Know. Yeah, okay. Right. But mm. a lot of times there was nothing wrong with your teeth before. Yeah. It gave your face character and now, oh, ooh, one more. <laughs> oh and no, then writing aud- Okay, again. audience, don't leave me. No, I mean, just check it out. It Don't leave me with this. You oh, guys- really? I see where you're going. Yes, I, 100%. Wow. I know for sure that that person changed their teeth. Huh. It's a weird world. Really, really getting deep into the teeth yeah. conspiracy. Let's just talk for one more second about <laughs> this type of stuff. Yes. And then we'll move on Please. to your story. Yes. Do you watch Vanderpump Rules? No. Why? Because I'm super into it. I've, I... Have passed through the embarrassment and now I'm just embracing it. Oh, please. It. I watch embarrassing things. It's not that I'm judging you about okay. that. Yeah. No, I will watch Fit to Fat to Fit or any of those terrible oh, shows. Oh, I haven't watched that. Oh, please. Maybe I should. Oh, man. You know a trainer gets fat in order to work with a fat person. Oh, I think I read that that's what happens. It's insane. And Does so it help them? Does it help uh, them have insight into or are um, they just like, I can lose it all super fast because I'm a trainer? Uh, it's a little more that. Fuck them. Yeah, it's a little gross. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Vanderpump teeth. Vanderpump well, more than just teeth. Vanderpump okay. teeth and face. Um, I think Sheena, who's one of the stars, went on the reunion. Sh- no, not the reunion show. It was like Vanderpump Secrets Revealed. So they showed like they showed her through the years, and she had a different face before. Yeah, I kind of miss the old. I didn't watch when she had the old face, but right. I kind of miss it. It's a reality trope. Look at Snooky, man. Doesn't even look like the Snooky we knew immediately. It's all different. People just people just get into that Hollywood life. Jay Wow as well. Yeah, and some of our comedic heroes. It's really weird. Kathy Griffin? Well, I was going other places. Oh, where were you going? Well, I mean, listen, I don't think this is a thing. I think it's pretty well known that Amy Poehler had some work done compared to oh, when we yeah. first saw her, especially in the her teeth, teeth area. Yeah, her teeth, teeth area. So it's like, I love Amy Poehler. Everything she's ever done is amazing. If that makes her more comfortable, more power to her. Right? Yeah, that's a very, that's, that's I'm the way that getting, I wish that I had looked at it. Listen, I'm looking forward to getting new teeth. Really? This book? No, I wouldn't get new teeth. Okay. But I don't, I don't think I have bad teeth. No, I didn't, teeth I didn't have fine. braces or anything, but if I, if I had jacked up teeth, I would be the first to do it. You know what I mean? Okay. I'm with you. I just say... if Vandercarp rules. Vandercarp. <laughs> <laughs> I would do it. <laughs> I don't okay. know. Okay. Let's delve, let's delve into you. Yes. Grew up in Calabasas. I did. Woodland Hills. Next door. Next but, door. But I went to Calabasas High because my parents knew that that was a better school. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
the pre-Kardashian. Yes. But you are half... I'm half Armenian. Armenian. Yeah, and I'm technically related to the Kardashians. I didn't know that. Yeah, they're like third cousins. Do you ever talk to them? No. I saw them at like a family reunion when I was little. And I remember being like, those are pretty girls. Like I was like eight or something. And I was like, they're all pretty. Like I didn't know what it was. But um, they had like an uncle who would walk. They had a grandfather who would walk around and just give. This was very Armenian. Mm -hmm. To just give cash to kids. Mm -hmm. That's like the most Armenian thing you can do. Just walk up to a kid and hand him $20. Uh, And so they did that at the family reunion. And I was like, he's my favorite. (laughs) But it was just like their grandparents. But yeah, I don't. I've never. I saw them. One of them went to USC with me. I think Chloe. Um, but I had never, I just knew that these girls that knew Michael Jackson mm-hmm. and knew people that were famous was, were in my family. Hmm. That's all I knew. And then when he was in the OJ case, I was, my mom was like, he's your body. You know, we'd always talk about it. Right. Like he was like a blood relative, right. which I guess he is. It's very difficult for me not to want to now talk about people versus OJ, except I didn't oh. intend to talk only about television. You could do that in my life. I will leave it at just saying, God, it was beautiful and, and amazing. And what a great job they did. Yeah. So good. Jeff, are you watching it? You've got to watch it at some point. It's I've heard it's great. I have not seen a single episode yet. Oh, it's like Wire good. Yeah, that's yeah. what I've heard. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not not watching it intentionally. Right. So it's well, it's, it's at the top of my list. Well, after, now you could binge watch it. They're all out. Yep. After yeah. After Better Call Saul. Yeah. I didn't realize Mark Furman was such an garbage asshole. can. Yeah. Yeah, he was a real garbage can. I mean, I knew he was racist, but not the extent of it. Did you? Okay, so I think i've been writing um on the mtv movie awards Mm -hmm. this last two weeks and they had us on a schedule that's pretty much slave labor uh so i would watch oj when i got home and then fall asleep right near the end almost every time did they really show mark Furman cleaning off nazi memorabilia at the end of one of the episodes i have a similar problem with falling because someone told me that happened the finale i was re i got uh i got lured into this click through on something, which mm-hmm. is like fact check. Oh, oh yeah. people oh, versus Vulture. OJ. And they're doing a great oh, job. Okay. With it. Yeah. yeah. They're doing a great job. So I clicked through and they mentioned him cleaning off Nazi memorabilia. And I'm like, I don't remember Me that. Neither. I must've fell asleep. Me too. Same. Maybe they didn't show it. No, I think they did. I think we fell asleep right okay. at the end. Yeah. <clears> I missed I the button usually on that show. Yes. Super weird of me. How do you feel about David Schwimmer's performance? I love all of the over the top stuff. I think it's such a fun show because they took people and they were like, Sarah Paulson, do the most amazing work mm-hmm. you can do as Marsha Clark. And then they told other people, oh, be super campy. You because think this- they actually told them that? Or you think oh, that's I what know happened? they told John Travolta, please. He's acting like a cat. He's, he's not yeah. even acting like a human being. I know, I know. It's so beautiful. It's, it's like, it's weirdly touching the way he did it. And also the way they ended his character, which I'm not going to uh, right. spoil for people, but his last shot. He's just drinking milk. It, yeah, he's, he's purring and touching his, <laughs> he's just licking his mitten. Um, they, they, it was so, it was so sad and everything around him is so sad, but yet his forehead never moves. And they uh, yeah. made conscious decisions on that character that don't fit the real life him and Kato Kalin. They made decisions right. on some of the campier characters characters and i just ryan murphy really just as the same way he did with nip tuck season one in the same way i think he did with glee based on what people say he's just such a strong starter and and this is such a great first season okay yeah Yeah. my husband did not he didn't say the cat thing but he's like what is going on with this performance beautiful it's great choice i mean great weird choices it's definitely it's definitely uh, surreal yeah and that's to me like i'm i like if you have a show that is that strong and there's people like sarah paulson doing that work and Mm -hmm. uh what's his name vance is the name of the guy who does uh, darden yeah yeah, or whoever or cochran oh cochran uh those people are doing such incredible work to have people being sort of lighter on the outsides. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that's so smart. Yeah. And, cool. and even there was even some like winking Kardashian stuff. Yeah. A lot at the top. They, right. I know they slowed it down, but I just thought it was, I thought it was a great show. Yeah. yeah. I miss it already. Even Me too. Though and you know, the I next season. It. No. Katrina. The hurricane. Yeah. 
That's their second season, which I'm a little like, I'm trying to figure out if it's, he's going to, cause there was so much crime going on around Katrina. Right. So I don't know if it's that they're doing that or the crimes of the government, which there is. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to figure out if it's all of those things or whatever, but from what I understand, it's supposed to be great. I just hope it doesn't turn into like serial season two, which actually I've heard is good, but I didn't listen to yeah, it. Yeah. I didn't stick around. Uh, uh, ironically, I'm the one who deserted it. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Okay. Let's go back to you. Yes. It's see, you're so into pop culture and stuff. It's mm-hmm. fun to chat about all this stuff. It's my thing. You wrote a book about the 80s, right? I, uh, I did, about 80s toys called mm-hmm. Just Can't Get Enough with the guy I do the podcast with, Matt Robinson. And we wrote it back in the day for Abrams. And it was just essays about 80s toys. And we'd take artsy photos of the aircraft carrier from G.I. Joe or Castle Grayskull. And then uh, we would write essays. It was super mm-hmm. fun. It was a great book. And Abrams kind of treated us uh, crappy. Uh, and then a couple of years later, they emailed us to do a sequel. And we were like, we'll do the sequel if you reprint the 80s book because they didn't make enough copies. Right. We're like, and it was a trapper keeper. We made them make it a trapper That's keeper, so which is cool. so cool. And so they just didn't print enough. And Urban Outfitters put in extra orders, and they just mm-hmm. didn't make another run. Um, and so they were like, okay, maybe. And then I didn't hear from them for like a year. And then I just saw the 90s book in a store. It's <laughs> like, all right, they made a sequel about us. <laughs> Literally that, the same thing. Is that a cool shape as well? Uh, they made it. No, they made it like, it looks the same. They mm-hmm. use the same everything, which is a little annoying, but whatever. Bastards. Yeah, I know. We didn't get our $800. <laughs> <laughs> oh, books. It's fascinating. You're sort of at the center of so many different things. And I'm wondering how you got there. But instead of just asking you that straightforward question, let's take a more meandering route. Sure. Let's um, call your mother <laughs> and ask her. No, I don't. Yeah, go ahead. Is Carp your real last name? Yeah, that's my, my real Jewy last name. I'm sure it was like Karpinski or Karpovitz. And then mm-hmm. uh, at Ellis Island, they were like, no, thanks, Hebe. And just like <laughs> patted my grandfather on the back. They're like, Pit, go shorter, bud. Uh, and so now I'm just Carp. So um, I read an excerpt of your book, yes. which I loved, and I am thinking, I feel like an excerpt is the way to go in the future, because I don't, you interview people as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have this problem that I have seemingly have of late, which is I always try to do as much research as possible. Yeah. So I, I will try to read someone's whole book before they come on that's the show. That's rough. Yeah, it's hard. And then I'm sitting there talking to them, and any question that I would normally answer that the reader, the listener would have, yeah. I already know the answer from, to. Yeah, so book. I feel like a dick asking them to tell me things that I don't know the answer to. So then it's like you have to sort of pivot and find, sorry, I just used a real, real buzzy word. You have to like find this sort of question in between the questions. And yeah. I always think maybe it would have been better if I hadn't read the whole book, but that feels remiss. I feel like the excerpt is the perfect thing. Well, that's now, what I went for. Yeah. Because people send me a book to do the uh, for my podcast and I'm always like, oh man, I really wish I could read this, but... I mean, I barely get the podcast in. Like, it's, right. it's, a, it's a tough thing to do every week. So w- I was pretty adamant about the book company making an excerpt so that yeah. people can just read three chapters, learn what the feeling is. One of them is about Kanye. Right. So at least you get sort of the title buzz chapter, uh, and then you can sort of live around it. Right. Yeah. So your childhood. Yes. Um, tell me about that. Uh, well, I grew up in Woodland Hills, uh, which was sort of the uh, the ugly stepbrother to Calabasas, which you all know is sort of this like McMansion very rich celebrity area. Uh, and so my parents put me in Calabasas High and A.U. Wright Junior High. And I sort of, my father was a car salesman. So I was nowhere near what these kids mm-hmm. in my my junior high were like. Um, so having like Topanga from Boy Meets World in my high school was very cool. But like I couldn't relate to most of the kids there. Um, so I kind of delved into hip hop. That was where I found my calling in a weird way. Even from third grade on, I just... I, it wasn't the angst of public enemy that I related to, but it was just the sound that mm-hmm. I was feeling in sort of this weird environment. Uh, and I couldn't sort of understand fight the power, but I knew that I had my own fight going on. And So you, you think know, that you res- 
bonded to the sort of outsider yeah, status of it okay. absolutely yeah that was i i wasn't really feeling pop music and it wasn't something that i wanted to get into based on you know i liked paul abdul or whatever was happening when i was in elementary school but like i i wasn't relating to the kids in my school when they were getting dropped off in rolls royces so right i went more towards something maybe it could have been punk it could have been something but for some reason rap spoke to me mm-hmm. yeah and that was where i found solace in that in that sort of weird uh dichotomy mm-hmm were your friends into it at all? No, no. I had a couple friends, two in my. I mean, there was one black kid in my school. I made a rap group with him. I mean, that's that's how, that's how little our school had diversity and and how much they liked hip hop. I mean, we, I, from first grade to senior year, I had no black teachers. Mm-hmm. I've never had a black. I never had a black teacher, uh, which is shocking. You um, know, I don't think I hadn't thought about it in that way exactly but i realized i don't think i did either until college you have to in my opinion you have to make a conscious decision to not hire a black person at oh your school. i think orange county did yeah and that and, and so did calabasas i think and I, I i assume now they do have some some uh people of color teaching there which would be great uh but at the time i didn't think it was weird till i got to college either um but yeah i i know no one was in hip-hop when i did ub ellen at my third grade talent show from run dmc a teacher went up to my mother and asked what this music is just <laughs> what is this she said um and so no no one did and i got bullied uh in, in middle school because of it and i uh you know it was like that i wanted to be black or um you know it, i i was told rapping is only for black people by the the high school quarterback and really? got chased around the school by 50 kids you know well, it's interesting that the kids were accusing you of wanting to be black given it sounds like from your like where where had they even encountered black people yeah not much i mean and i think it was just like in the same way that like calling someone gay was a thing right it was just it was oh, just a thing it was like a thing in that term you know the term wigger right. was like a thing really strong during those times now you yeah. don't hear it as much but like it was just a it was another way to make fun of someone right and it was just a weird thing that got pegged onto me and when i ran into someone from my middle school recently and they were like i hear there's a book coming out blah, blah, and they go do you talk about the time you got chased around school by 50 people i was like absolutely i talk about that because it was it was that was the reason i mean and now look at the were you know they just, it, now was rules it like the world they were just gonna they were just uh they wanted to stone the heretic. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And also girls liked me and I was, I was like an open dancer. I like hip hop dance and I was, I knew I was good at it at the time. You mean open like you did at public? Yeah. Like I would do it at dances or parties or whatever. Like I didn't see it was a problem. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they definitely made fun of me for it. You know, that was, and, and, uh, and then the next year, uh, I became friends with most of them, but, but the year, that year was terrible. And it was, and it was based in hip hop. How did you feel during that? You know, it's weird. Were you, the, were you compl- the complete outcast? No. I was like weirdly popular with girls. Okay. So it was strange to have... A lynch mob after Yeah, you. of guys, of 50 guys. And and some of them would end up becoming very good friends of mine. Mm. Um, but that sixth grade or seventh grade year, seventh grade year, um, it was it was tough and it was based on hip hop. It so wasn't based on anything else. What happened when suddenly 50 people were... What just, were they trying I, to do? They're trying to like beat me up, supposedly. So I sort of they chased me around the school. Did, I, was there warning this was going to happen? Kind of, yeah. Like I, it was almost it was the last day of school. What a whisper campaign? Yeah, kind of like it was bubbling that they were going to beat me up. And Jeez. so I was like, all right, well, all right. Uh, and then I kind of ch- got chased because I wasn't going to stop. I wasn't going to just sit there. And so I sort of like walked around the school with these people following me, like <laughs> like the Simpsons mob with torches. And I let them sort of follow me around. And then eventually we got to a spot where I couldn't go anywhere. I was like, well, listen, if you're going to fight me, I can't fight fifty people. Because now looking back, you just go like, all right, who's going to fucking fight me? You know, you're supposed to do that because then they're scared or whatever. But I was just, I was way more frightened. Right. So I was just like, well, if anyone's going to fight me, there has to be one person. And then no one's going to step up because they're kids and they're scared. Yeah. Um, and Smart. then I, yeah. And then I went to my grandparents' house that night. I remember going, my mom took me to my grandparents. I was crying and 
uh, my mom had me stick in the school and I was, I was lucky I did because then I went back and the, the kid. Oh, did you try to change? You thought about it. Yeah. Your parents Not to... begging. I brought it up. Yeah. And I was like, well, I think maybe I should go to, cause I was thinking about going to, uh, uh, Parkman going to the, to the more city school. Mm-hmm. And my mom was like, you know what? Uh, I think you should stick it out. Because she had left a school because of bullying, which is just a weird hand me down. That's so interesting. Yeah, that is weird. I never really thought of it that way. But she, but uh, and she, does she regret that? She regrets it. Yeah, she regrets leaving. Why? I think because I regret staying schools. at you the do? school that I stayed at. Really? Yeah, I do. Because you didn't want to face them when you went back. Because I was bullied in seventh grade, mm-hmm. and. Well, I don't know. Changing. I mean, if I had changed schools at that point, my confidence was so low and I was so sort of shattered by that experience that for all I know, I, it would have just continued at a different school. Right. And also, I'm sure that there was something in me that the kids were reacting to, like my sort of fearfulness and, yeah. and, um, like lack of feeling okay with, with who I was at that point. Although that's kind of every kid. But yeah, the next year, even though I was no longer a target, I was so, like, kind of scarred from the experience, which, yeah. but there wasn't anything profound. I, for I carried it around like a secret shame for the longest time. Like, every, you know, and they turned on me in seventh grade. I was outcast for a few months, and it changes people's lives. It. I mean, I went home crying every yeah. day. Yeah. But, so I didn't talk about it for a long time because I was like, if anyone finds out, they're gonna think I'm super lame. <laughs> I've yeah. got to just pretend I'm not lame. Um, and then you know, now that obviously, like, it's totally not a thing I think about anymore. Now that I talk about it, I feel like almost everyone has a similar Something. story. And mine's one, mine's one year. And, and that, yeah. that is minimal in the, in the scope of, of being bullied. I just, in the story of, of the book, it's important because it was because of rap music, right. which is so crazy because now everyone looks like the people who are bullying me in hip hop. There's white kids everywhere. Yeah. So it's just a strange uh, transition for the music that, you know, eight years later, they'd be the ones screaming, uh oh, with Nelly. And then they, there they were trying to beat me up right. for the same reason. So well, and it's interesting that you formed a rap group with one of the bullies. With one of the bullies, and him and I, you know, I sent him a book early. Um, we haven't necessarily kept in touch. We talk on social media. I don't know, maybe once every couple of years. And I sent him the book, and I was slightly nervous. It was a slightly nervous part about sending right. it to him, and he did not seem super stoked uh, when I asked for his address. And so when it came in, you know, three days later, he wrote me a great note and was super stoked. And we're gonna probably, I'm gonna probably fly him out to LA to do the podcast the week of the book release. Uh, but he, you know, he had a great he had a great reaction to it, and that was a guy who definitely wanted to beat the shit out of me on the last day of seventh grade. Well, so um, my mom also swore it would follow me. Really? For the record. Okay. That was the thing she told me when I was thinking about leaving. She said, "This the, that story will follow you. I was like, oh, okay. that you left for being yeah. bullied? Like, no matter how hard you right. think you're getting away from it, someone will hear from someone. You have a very, I had a weird, I had a weird name. Jensen's right. a weird name. So she was like, that will follow. That's interesting. Yeah. So are you happy that you didn't leave? Very much, yeah. Because I, I, honestly, I couldn't, I remember even thinking like a couple years later, I was like, well, that can't get worse than that day. Yeah. And it never did. How did you... Um, befriend when the book his name is Ricky is that his real name Ricky Kid yeah no this is his real name mm-hmm. yeah R-I-C-K-Y-E K-I-D-D Ricky Kid the third I believe how did you befriend him after he was a, your you know, bully I don't remember I think we just I just went back to school and faced him and I think I got some sort of weird respect out of coming back in like that prison yard way and um, I think you know I may have adjusted too and I say that in the book a little which is like I adjusted a little I was sort of like, well, I know there's certain things I can and can't do with rap. And and I I just stopped sort of being the guy who 
would just battle at a whim or rap in class or whatever it was. And so if, and then they would sort of bring me out to battle new city kids that came. Mm-hmm. So if like a new city kid transferred, they'd be like, we got a guy. And then I'd come out and battle him. Like I'm Woody Harrelson and white man can't <laughs> jump like dressed as a white guy. Um, but they didn't, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't as, it wasn't cool at all. Like you would think it was the coolest thing in your school. They have a guy who would later go on to work with Kanye and have a million dollar record deal. And I had no, there was nothing cool about what I was doing. And I think Ricky may have, may have liked it. So it's interesting that rap battles mm-hmm. and like insults yes. uh, is what appealed to you. Yeah. Have you thought about why that in particular was what you were into? I think because while I was listening to Grand Pooba and Organized Confusion and all these groups that were very hip hop heavy, I was also very much into Rickles. And I was super into like uh, Dennis Miller's HBO special mm-hmm. and Piscopo's HBO special. I was just watching every stand-up special I could get to and writing comedy and doing things outside of hip-hop. Um, and those that's where the world's mesh. I mean, that was where you could be funny and and rap. And, I, and, and also like... When so I, was yeah, it the humor more than the aggression that appealed to you? Or did you have anger? No, I think it was... Well, maybe. I mean, somewhere in between. I think that there was anger based on how hip-hop was being sort of accepted in my area and Mm -hmm. then i would go to canoga park high or taft high and i was i was regaled i was like (laughs) i was considered the valley's biggest emerging rapper (laughs) so it was like i you know i was living this double life and i think that when i would go to these sort of city school parties and do it and then go home and not tell anyone that i just won six battles in a weekend um it did start to get angry i still Mm -hmm. got got to get aggravated and that's a, a place where not only my humor would come out but also the just sort of aggravation that I knew this music art form was bubbling and I knew that kids would like it if they just gave it a chance. Right. Uh, and it didn't really happen until I got to college as far as like white kids starting to buy that Bone Thugs record or, or buying, you know, Biggie. What did your parents think of your rap career? Well, my mother was a background singer. She was a doo-wop singer. And so she noticed all the samples. So like I would play a third bass record and she'd be like, oh, that's Diana Ross. Like mm-hmm. she would know or, or Paul's Boutique and she'd be like, oh, these are all Mama's and Papa's records. So she would hear what was happening and love it and then help me buy the stuff at music plus or warehouse. Um, and so she loved it and there, there wasn't a problem with that. And my father was from New York, so he knew that it was hot there. And mm-hmm. I think that they were just into it because I was just as much into baseball and basketball. Right. So it was just another hobby I had. And I just studied it the same way that, you know, I was supposed to be doing school. So they like that. At this point, um, at that point, mm-hmm. did you think I want to be a rapper when I grow up or were you like, I want to be, a multi-hyphenate. <laughs> well, I always wanted to be a podcaster. <laughs> right. Uh, no, uh, I I didn't want to be a rapper. No. I think that um, I had a small brush with uh, a possible rap career at a young age with mm-hmm. Ricky, with Ricky Kidd. Um, we were managed by Donald D, who was part of Ice T's Rhyme Syndicate. I was found at a bar mitzvah of all places. That's crazy. Uh, and so I was rapping along lyrics. Guy came up, handed me the mic. That guy knew a bunch of rappers and was like, I, you should be doing this for a living. I brought Ricky in and we performed at a bunch of different shows and ended up doing a lot of weird stuff, which you read in the book. Um, and then after that, I sort of, you know, after the bullying and knowing I couldn't go back to school and really talk about that situation because... I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm wearing cross colors and that's a target at that point. So I didn't really want to bring it up. And so, um, I gave up until high school and still only just battled here or there. And then around college, I was like, I knew it was a way to meet girls. I knew it was a way to like be kind of cool in college. And also hip hop is now being accepted by all these surfer kids. It's in the mix with Dave Matthews band. Like it's, it's getting played at parties. Big pun is being played. Like things are getting a lot more underground. And I was like, great. And I felt like I could finally sort of come out and, and rap at parties. And so I did. And then that, turned into shows at the dragonfly and blah, blah, blah. And then that turned into really the roll call, which is where I was found. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what name were you performing under before the roll call? Uh, I was going under Jensen. 
because I, I figured you would only see me live. Right. And so what does it matter? Like I wasn't recording anything really. Um, I was just going and doing live shows or, or battling a lot, a ton battling. When And was it just you on stage with a mic and like where was the music coming For battling? From? No, for when you're doing shows at the Dragonfly, let's say. Uh, well, that would be more Hot Carl stuff. So my, my DJ Sancho, who mm-hmm. I knew through college, he would, he, he would just steal other people's music. He would just take out a record and then I would write a song to it. We didn't, we didn't have anything. Right. And it wasn't a plan to make it a big thing. I just wanted to battle and yeah. also just wanted to like have fun. Mm-hmm. So the day that I entered this radio contest on the phone is when uh, not knowing, I didn't know that was a thing, but that's when it turned into a job. So, I mean, t- so tell me that story. So I'm, I'm, I'm interning on the, uh, the, the Citizen Kane of all Flintstones movies, uh, the Viva Rock Vegas sequel. <laughs> and I'm interning on it and I'm driving home from Universal Studios towards USC. And a guy on the radio is just like, call in and do the roll call. And I was like, okay because the roll call was this regional la show that and in new york it was on hot 97 as well and you call in and it's just a call and response with the radio djs where you battle other phone callers three or four different ones they say who's on that line you say your name you put in a funny joke they say where are you from where are you calling from and then you bring in your city and that's it And it's four lines but in rap form all in rap form and you go up against three or four people mostly kids uh and so i called because i had done it in junior high i'd done it never really won i was always nervous but i did it and tried and i i, I had so much it had so much honor in it. <laughs> like it was the most important thing in my life for a long mm-hmm. time. So doing it in college, I was like, absolutely. I call in, I win the first day when he says, what's your name? I didn't think of it. I had not thought of what my name would be. So when he goes, I don't want to say Jensen. Cause I still have that like bullied mentality. Right. <laughs> so I just go hot Carl, which is just the first thing that came to mind, which is the stupidest Naturally. thing in the world. Cause it's, it's a term for shitting on someone's chest. Right. And that wasn't, now, I've also heard that referred to as a Cleveland steamer. Though. I think it has many names. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and so at the time I just thought that was a funny name. It was a million other names I thought of using. That's super funny. Don't necessarily know why I picked that one. Had I known how far it would go, definitely would not have picked. Hot Carl. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was it. And then two days later, you know, a day later I win the next day. I win the third day. Uh, just casually not telling anyone I'm on the radio. And uh, the fourth day I'm driving to Viva Rock Vegas to, you know, Xerox scripts for Stephen Baldwin. And uh, they go, yeah, everyone's calling about the same thing. Oh God. It's, and I'm like, what are they calling about? And then they go, hot Carl, we'll be here. Uh, we'll be on the radio at 6 PM. And I was like, that's me. <laughs> and I realized, oh my God. And then, you know, seven days pass. And then at 10 days, they asked me to come in. So I started having to time my job with this. And God, I started the Ken Jennings of roll call. It's very, well, that's a great title, by the way, the Ken Jennings of rap. <laughs> uh, and so I, uh, so I ended up winning, you know, 40 uh, something days in a row. I ended up being on the radio in the studio. Most of the time mm-hmm. they started to almost treat me like another personality on the show. Uh, and then after 40 days, I retired because I had finals to worry about at USC. And uh, I got a million dollar record deal from Jimmy Iovine based off the hype that was from this wow. radio show. Yeah. Okay. I want to get into that in a second. But just so I understand, yeah. this roll call involves being able in the moment to come up with a clever rhyme. Sort of. I mean, you can come up with something. I mean, I, I freestyle a lot of it, but like you can have your punchlines ready. You can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the other kids are writing their stuff. So and they and if you're the champion, they know who you are. So I have to face unknowns every single day. Like, I don't know who's going to pay, face me. They they can call me nerdy or whatever they want to do because they know what I look like and they know, right. you know, what I'm... Although I guess it was hard to find out what I looked like. But you knew that I sounded nerdy. Right. I've never changed my voice. I've always sounded like this, like Kermit the Frog. <laughs> so, so like, you know, you can do all those jokes. I know nothing about you. So I'm at a disadvantage. So what, did, you, did you freestyle it then? A lot, yeah. Not every time. Did you always lot. trust that it would come to you? Sort of. I mean, they. I was a weird case because I really am the only person to have ever gotten a record deal off this dumb radio gimmick. Mm-hmm. But they would then have me rap 17 to 30 bars after my win. 
so I, I didn't have enough time every day to write that much rap. So I would come in with nothing and then have to rap on, on the cuff. And that mm. was one of the times I said, you know, and I hope this next line doesn't start any beef, but I'd rather die than ever have a song with Tyrese. And that's just because it rhymed with beef. I didn't hate Tyrese. I don't care about Tyrese. I mean, but, it slant rhyme, but... It works. <laughs> Listen, if that's a slant rhyme, wait to hear the other things I did. Uh, and so I ended up... Uh, Tyrese called in and he was like mad at me. And I was like, you write name rhymed. You know, like it was, I realized, oh my God, there's a lot of people listening. <laughs> like I should take care of what I'm saying. And I right. instead made fun of Tyrese every day after. But, um, but like those kind of things, like I had to freestyle it out. So it, I always was good enough to think on my toes and have something. I never blew it. Um, but yeah, I mean, weird stuff would come out and I'd be like, well, that was weird. It's interesting. It seems like, and I think there was something in the excerpt, I think that is making me think this, that you knew from a young age that, Going after the big names will get you press. Yeah. Uh, also, because I, I had listened to a lot of people do it. So I'd listened mm-hmm. to Tim Dog and a bunch of rappers who had done it. Uh, and also just weird beefs that I liked growing up. I just thought it was a cool way to write. I just thought it was a cool way. And also hip hop is about going. At, it's not so much now, but at least back then it was about going at the top dog. Right. No one's better than you. So See, it's interesting because I feel like I go through my life like, oh, oh, oh I didn't offend you. Oh, no one look at me. Oh, okay. you, don't, you don't shit talk Grace Helbig's podcast. <laughs> I have a lot of things that run with Helbig. Deep, what is it called? Deep thoughts. I don't know that bitch. No, I, I, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't. But I mean, I could, I could start Twitter wars all day. Yeah, but I, I go out of my way to like never do anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet you had this media savvy at a very young age, extremely young. What, and that's sort of the weird part is that yeah. like the song I wrote to like get me the management deal at thirteen with Donald D is scathingly like way above my ears not too deep that's what it's called sorry Grace no, not too deep. see that's very I'm easy apologizing. to diss, not too deep is very easy to diss. yeah uh my uh the way that i rapped i i, I the song that was original that i performed before ice tea and, and tone loke at this one show that you read about in the book killing at the playground killing the playground right and so i did this song that was just about another bad creation and it talks about how big my dick is mm-hmm. and it talks about how i had sex with aisha which was the girl they talked about in their song it was these things, 12 12 and i look back now and i'm like what the fuck kid was i like and you read it and you, i put the lyrics in the book because it's so shockingly weird right and and, and, and also i knew I never rapped about guns after being 12, but I knew at 12, that was a thing that will get people to pay attention to say, you know, the, before the hook, I go, I shoot my gat at the playground, which is a reference to kill at the playground, which is mm-hmm. the name of their record. Right. Or I mean, uh, chill at the playground was the name of their record and killing is a play on words. Right. And I wrote everything on my own. That's I wouldn't so let anyone touch anything I ever wrote. And so it was, I was so above my years that now I look back and read those lyrics and I'm like, what a creep. <laughs> like I'm almost the Haley Joel Osment of hip hop. Like almost like you're too old feeling for your age. Right. And so yeah, I wrote extreme and my editor, he wrote me cause I wrote a footnote about how postmodern, how postmodernly I talked about guns at 12 mm-hmm. and he goes, no, you didn't. I go, Oh, I'll show you things I wrote about it when I was 12 years old. And I will prove to you that I've always known it was postmodern. And I always knew that that would cause a stir. And my parents, oh, you, mean you said that you, you were doing it in a postmodern yes. way. And he was like, well, I like doubt you. He goes, way. I doubt you knew that at 12. I was like, Oh, I'll, I have interviews. I'll show you where I say it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, that was what I did. I knew right. that. And so. Wait, in what way are you using postmodern? Explain. I think winking fourth wall, sort of saying this kid doesn't have a gun. He's 12. It's the Ferris Bueller telling I you see. why you're still in the theater. Right. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, so I d- you realized you had a keen sense of how you were coming across. Yeah. And I knew that, and, pla- and I knew that playing it. with, with what you, you were think, like Lady Gaga. I'm well, please. I was wearing a meat suit too, uh, <laughs> which is more like a, but I, I did feel that. I felt that admitting that 
wall, especially looking like I look like Brian Austin Green mm. at twelve. So, and, and I think you saw a picture of me in the in the in the excerpt. Pretty awesome. Uh, and I, 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 you know, I looked like that. So, so to play with that kind of anticipation of what you thought I was going to say, right. I, I flipped it, and I knew smart. I knew enough. My mom didn't know. She didn't know what that was. She didn't know what shooting your dad at the playground was. So that was something that I wanted. I wanted to play off. Right. Yeah. Right. So did you win the this battle with your editor? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had proved him a million times. I, I showed him things. I was like, this is me. You know, this is me doing this and this is me doing this. And there's a, I think, did you read about the photo shoot? I don't think that was in the next So I, I, we did a photo shoot as that group. Oh, yes. Yeah. With and, the baseball bats. Yeah. And I had a problem with what the photo shoot was. Right. And at 12 years old, I was like, this doesn't feel authentic. I mean, even to have that thought at 12. Right. Uh, and so like, you know, when you have my mom being like, you know, yeah, you, you sat us down and said you didn't think it was authentic and that you felt that this isn't what you want to do in hip hop and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I was a great kid, obviously. I was a very weird kid. I have a weird question. Yeah. Um, but I'm wondering your thoughts on it. Sure. I'm sitting here listening to you and just like the weird sort of preternatural ability you had to have to have a sense of... um media savvy and you were wise beyond your years and you sort of could play with the tropes at such a ridiculously young age. Like if you have a thought on this, I'm wondering like, what do you feel like bottom line is your real talent? And I will answer it. I'll I'll give an answer for me because it sounds such a vain, it's like such a vain question, but like, I feel like my thing is, well, (laughs) one of my things, um, (laughs) I can pulls out a whiteboard. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Um, Like in interviewing, I feel like I can really sort of, I have this ability to like feel someone's feelings. Oh, I know I have that. Oh no, I have that. Okay. No, I have like a disease. Do you think I'm kidding? I have that disease. No, I definitely do. And in in high school, I would feel fights. Like I'd go, there's gonna be a fight over there. My friends like, no, there's not. Well, watch. And then there's a fight. I've always had an energy feeling and that's mm-hmm. not like a psychic thing. That's just that there's a weird energy somewhere and I right. feel it. Yes. Like I'll walk into restaurants and be like that couple's fighting and I just know because you that's just, that weird energy. Right. So that has helped me in entertainment tremendously. So especially in hip hop and then in comedy later, I know and I've proven it over and over again, especially it's kind of what Get Up On This is, right. which is a podcast where I know certain things are going to blow up. Like I got made fun of a year ago for saying that this one song, I go, I went to South by Southwest. I heard a guy perform a song. This is going to be a hit. And I played it on the show and everyone's like, it's not going to be a hit. Mm-hmm. I go, all right. And I got made fun of. It's the one I got made fun of the most. It became what song? A, it's uh, Mike Posner, I Took a Pill in Ibiza. I don't know and why I asked. I heard him do it. You don't know it? I don't know it. Maybe you, I do. You probably have heard it now. But about a year ago at South by Southwest, just brought it up on the podcast, it became a meme. Shitting on me for it was a meme on the show. Wow. It is the number five song in the nation this week. Fuck it's everyone. the number one song in the UK this week. See, so, I only use my skills for podcasts. You use mm-hmm. yours to prognosticate and to make money, it seems. Well, I don't know. I don't know how knowing Mike Posner was going to blow up makes me money. Oh, that's You're sitting on a pile of cash <laughs> yeah, from that. So, oh, God, it's please. so obvious. <laughs> uh, and so, like, but there are things that I've done. Like, we op- I opened with, with uh, my partner, Melissa Stedden. We opened a pin company mm-hmm. called Patty LaPelle, which now is just something that I, I knew that trend was coming. Right. It's just a weird, it's just a weird sense. It's not even a brag. I know it sounds like it, but it's really purely a weird sense thing that I have. Do you think so? So to, to answer my my question of you, like, way, yeah. oh, thank you. Like, yeah. do you feel like that above all else is your skill, your talent yes. to be able to sense? It's also like my curse because I feel everyone's feelings. But so, yes. let's get into that in a second. Yeah. But oh, thank you very much. For You're this. welcome. It's a Dwayne Johnson pin in a fanny pack. How did you know? I don't know. It's my I mean, favorite. Yeah. Um. I actually. 
after the show, mm-hmm. want to ask you, um, one of my super fans recommended in terms of merch that I do lapel pins oh, for my sure. show yeah. and was like, you should talk to, I think he said you should talk to Jensen. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he did point me to, so I just wanted to ask you about that, but yes. we'll do that off air. Please. Um, okay. So you feel like sort of above all else, your talent slash parlor trick, mm-hmm. um, it, I'm not, I'm not putting you down by saying parlor no trick, it's fine i, I know I re- it's a parlor trick, yeah please. like your that's your thing is sort of reading the direction things are going it's the same thing as when i battled yeah. if there was a guy heckling me and i know that calling him a homeless johnny depp is going to get a lot of people to be like oh he does look like a homeless johnny depp that's just feeling the room mm-hmm. and that's that's what battling is for me and that's what stand-up has been for me even though i'm not great at it but i i was smart enough to know okay i'm not as good at this as i am other things but as far as reactions and figuring out reactions and knowing sort of what the next step is it has always been something i pride myself on right do you okay let's talk about the ways in which that's a curse yes. because do you ever feel like that makes it hard to connect with someone on a one-on-one level? Um, well, I don't think people are ready for it. <laughs> Does that make sense? No. I don't think people... But I knew you were going to say that. I'm just kidding. I didn't. <laughs> I, I think that people don't like overt sensitivity. Oh, interesting. And you have to have a... There has to be a certain person to accept it and protect it because mm-hmm. it is a very... It's like a gift and a curse. So like the gift is is that, you know, I've, I'm good at a lot of things that I do because I'm in, in it early. Right. But the curse is is that I feel everything a lot more than other people. Mm-hmm. So I think that if you're asking, you, you're asking if people like... Like if you're, well... Do you think if people like, I mean, you could say a, like dating a, or like, or, or, or being friends with or doing business with, business with, they love it. Because I'm the person right. who's working at like 3 a.m. because I had a feeling. Right. Right. They um, love that. I think my question was sort of uh, me-based. <laughs> <laughs> Please, that's podcasting. And I was thinking that although on some level I, I, I feel like I have this gift as well, I'm still often surprised by the behavior of people. Like I, my, my mind's not as fully developed as yours, I guess it's no, it in a way. So I'm true, wondering, well, thank you. But I think that sometimes whatever the hell I'm plugged into yeah. is preventing me from seeing what's right in front of my face or, or oftentimes I'm the thing is I'm not cynical. So I'll, I'll miss the machinations of people that someone else who's more savvy would have seen coming because I just right. take everyone at face value, which is not because I don't know what I'm paying. I'm paying attention to something else. So I'm missing right. the bullshit, like the shit that's going on right in front of my face. I'm wondering if you have that at all. Well, no, because my father and my mother are, are, were bipolar opposites. So my mother is the, the optimistic hashtag blessed on Instagram person. <laughs> She's like a tire fire on social media. Uh-huh. Like she is like, everything is like my journey. And you know, like she posts pictures with her boyfriend every day kind of stuff like that is her and I accept her and I love her very much for it. My father, on the other hand, who passed, he was Brooklyn and cynical and, and dark and, and didn't trust anyone Mm -hmm. and was in sales his whole life and, and was a incredible salesman. So I had one side of a guy who can sell anything. And then another one, my mother, who's probably not able to lie to you about it. So I had both sides. So I, I saw, I, I stay optimistic, but still have my father, in the back of my head. Right. So there's a part of me that goes, um, that I can, I can spot. I've also lived here my whole life as mm-hmm. you have kind of. Yeah. Um, and so being in LA, you know, I can spot bullshit faster than anybody else. And so that, that sort of helped me 
um, cause I, in my own relationship life, I have, I have fallen victim to my own, um, sensitivities. Like mm-hmm. I've chosen people who, who don't necessarily protect that sensitivity. Right. And I think that's on purpose, but, but in, in as far as, what, what I, most of my friends, all those things that I sort of, uh, I, I go about life knowing that I will feel more than other people. Mm-hmm. And that's my, and that's why I'm also successful in business. And do you always trust those feelings though? Cause I get really hung up a lot of times on, well, I have trouble making decisions. Cause like I can't, when I, when my head's saying one thing and I'm feeling something else, then I'm like, I'm, I'm total, I don't know what to do anymore. So I don't know. So, so I'll give you an example. So my partner, Matt, who I do the podcast with, mm-hmm. who I do get up on this with, he is a successful writer. He wrote a movie and directed it with Ricky Gervais. He's written, you know, tons of cartoons. He's like one of those guys who write scripts. They don't always come out, but he's always busy. Right. So Matt and I, one time, went to go see the Shia LaBeouf art thing. Mm-hmm. Remember when he was doing that thing on Beverly and you could walk in and he was sitting at a table and yeah. he didn't talk or whatever. So Matt and I are in line and 10 minutes in, we go, why the fuck are we doing this? <laughs> and so we're like, I'm, like, I'm going home. And he goes, I'm going home too. I go, great. So I go walk in the car and I get one door away and I go, oh, that's weird. And I walk in and I go, hey, if I wanted to rent you tomorrow, how much would it be? Just another store. And she goes, two grand? I go, all right, I'll give you two grand. I just hand her my credit card. She runs it. And then I walk outside and I call Funny or Die and I go, I got an idea. I just rented the space next to Shia LaBeouf. I'm going to go home and figure out exactly what's in his art show. I'm going to look up pictures. I'm going to do everything. I'm going to draw it out. And then we're going to recreate it tomorrow. And we're going to have the same exact art show next door. But instead of the Shia room, I'm going to get Jerry O'Connell to be there. <laughs> so basically, Shia won't talk to you. Jerry won't stop talking. So it was like that joke. Like, we're doing the same exact art show. And 24 hours later, I'm opening the art show. Yeah. Because it's funny. And Funny or Die got involved and videoed it. And, and we had a bigger line at the end than Shia. More uh-huh. people were in line to see Jerry, which was called I Am Not Famous 2. You know, it was like, <laughs> it was just the dumbest <laughs> idea. And you took a photo of it. And literally, our lines were next to each other, That's facing so the other funny. ways. So... Maddie said at the end of that, he goes, you know, we've been friends for 15 years. He says, but I'm going to tell you something. You had an idea in line and you made that idea happen. Yeah. And it's just because that's who I am. I'm not going to let things fall wayside because I am sensitive towards what I think is good. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to do it. And it makes me sound like Kanye, which is ironic. <laughs> but the truth is, is that I know what I want to do and I'm just going to do it. And mm-hmm. that's what I've, that's how I've survived. And it might be because my record deal was taken from me. You know, like right. I didn't, I hot Carl didn't blow up even though I had a million dollar record deal and I had no control over it. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So you were offered this million dollar record deal based on the roll call and a, and a demo, a couple demo songs I'd made. That must have been uh, very exciting. It was crazy. I mean, it was, it was not what I expected. It yeah. was, there was no world where I was like, and I'm going to get a huge record deal. No, right. no. My, my parents threw a party. It was nuts. Did you get a million dollars? Well, a lot of that goes towards the budget of the record. So you end up with like 300000 and then you get a m- monthly stipend, which is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And you get it no matter what. It's like 3500 or four grand a month at 19. For- you're like, I'm so rich. I can't <laughs> feel myself. Yeah. And then you, I got a publishing deal soon after, which was half a million dollars. They give you that 250 up front. Mm-hmm. The day you sign, you get 250 Then you get 250 the day your record comes out, which I never faced. And a publishing deal for the publishing For your words. To, yeah. yeah. And so that has since not you know that's not even a thing it just right. it just it the contract ends so that was a great dice roll for me not for them um and so yeah i was rich 19 years old at usc i'm rich and rich, living it did you turn into an asshole uh not an asshole but confused mm-hmm. i mean i was i was definitely confused i mean i, was, I started going out to clubs and 
I dated like a playmate. I was like a 19 year old nerd. You know what I mean? Like, it, and, and I, and I sort of, I didn't like buy into the, the lifestyle, but I mean, I, I, my 21st birthday was thrown by Mark McGrath. I mean, what world is of this? Sugar Ray and yes. Shrinky Dinks before of, that? Of Shrinky Dinks and now of Sirius Radio Hot 90s station. Oh, uh, I didn't even know. Yeah, he's the, the, the DJ. Uh, and, and he's so, had his teeth on, I think. I think, yeah. I yeah. feel like they're very. I think he'd probably admit yeah. it. He I says bet. a great line about Sugar Ray. It's my favorite line in music. If you smell a churro, we're playing. <laughs> It's my favorite joke ever. Uh, he was so nice and, and, and so great. And so, yeah, it was like weird to go from college student with sorority and fraternity friends to, you know, parting at Las Palmas with, you know, these celebrities. It was a weird thing. And I, I didn't buy into it. But I mean, I lived it because I knew it would be fun. And mm-hmm. I knew it wasn't going to. I didn't know if I I figured it wasn't going to last. So um, now what happened with the album, though? So I ended up with a huge record deal and this production budget that let me go work with everyone I wanted. So I is that now is that when you were working with Kanye? Yeah. So Kanye is one of those people, but okay. no one knew who that was. Right. So he that had was, adult braces. He did. Speak it, man, it all he comes did. back to teeth. He did have adult Today. braces. Uh, and then when he got in the accident, his teeth got all messed up and he got to fix his jaw and everything that was wrong with his mm-hmm. teeth. Anyway, a uh, <laughs> little inside teeth work. Uh, and so, um, yeah, I ended up working with Redman and Fabulous and the Black Eyed Peas and DJ Quick and Maya. Maya's on my record. Mm-hmm. Basically, anyone I wanted to do a song with, they said yes to because there was a lot of money there. So right. it was like they can give 15 grand to MC Search of Third Base. They could give all this money that I wanted to give out. And one of those people, they had given me a beat CD from a new kid named Kanye West who had never released anything. And I was like, this guy's a genius. I got that one. I was sensitive towards that. And, um, and so we ended but, up working together. But interestingly enough, he was not heralded by the for, industry at For that production, point. he was getting a little. But, for, but wasn't it like he was... Who was it that you wanted originally? I wanted Just Blaze. Right. right. And who's, they're like, if you can't afford Just Blaze... <laughs> you get Kanye you can, West. Yeah. yeah, which is a thing you got. I mean, because Kanye did sound like a lower budget Just Blaze, which, by the way, still really good. <laughs> just Blaze is incredible. So mm-hmm. even to just kind of sound like Just Blaze, and then he started to get a little better and over time. But yeah, I mean, uh, I did a song with him. We, we hung out for a yeah, day. You guys were pretty And then we became close, close friends. Right? Yeah, yeah. We, we went to movies together and... Uh, became you know constantly conversing over two way, which was a cool thing to have in two thousand. <laughs> uh, and so yeah, we were we we hung out a lot, went to clubs, we, we took him to dinner a bunch, and you know, uh, and then we sort of lost touch around fame. Are you surprised by his fame at all? Um, you, the amount of fame, sure, that's crazy. I mean, I would have never thought that. I mean, also because when I met him, he was so Bowfinger esque. He was like such a dweeb <laughs> that I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe this is you now. Right. And, and I think that's sort of more my 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 shock is just how cool he is, you know? But when you first met him, he was wearing what he wears to impress rappers. Right? Yeah. And then he, when he discovered he you were a nerd, he's like, yeah. Oh good. I can just dress like myself. Exactly. So I walked in, he was dressing like bat. He's baggy in, in Nietzsche swim, uh, jumpsuit. And so he was like, Oh man, if I knew you dress like this, I dress like, like my normal self. This is I what just, I do for I rappers. I read that word and I thought it was Ennis. And, well, Nietzsche. <laughs> uh, trust me, that takes years of studying source magazine. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I, um, was like, okay. And then the next day he showed up in jeans and a shirt of Jim Morrison's face. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, well, that's what I wear. So that works. Uh, and so he felt more natural and felt better. Yeah. And he was great. And he was great to hang out with and great to work with. And um, we were close. And then, uh, yeah, this this version of him, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't know this person. People I go, Do you, is he nice? I go, well, he was nice. I don't know who this is. So, And you paid for him for a car service for him. Yeah. He it was, was 300 bucks, and he promised there. you he was going to pay you back, even though you didn't need it. I didn't even need to. it. No. But then after a while, you go, oh, yeah, he owes me 300 bucks. Because he's bringing it up so much, you're like, you owe it to me. Right. It becomes a thing for you, and then we haven't spoken. So um, he still owes me $300. Yeah. yeah. But it was based on the idea that he lived with his mother, which is a time he talks about all the time. Mm-hmm. And the train 
was about to finish. He didn't have a car. And so he was like, well, the train, the last train's coming. I'm like, dude, I'm, I have so much money here. <laughs> like <laughs> This production budget has to be used. I'll pay for a car out of my money. And so I used my credit card. I never got paid back for it. Um, and so he uh, was like, well, I'll pay you back since you never got paid. And I was like, okay. And then here we are 15 years later. Uh, Kanye's Man. worth way too much money and I'm, I would like the $300. Well, no, didn't he announce that he's bankrupt? No, he announced <laughs> that he's... Okay, here's the argument I have. Okay. He announced that he's in debt $53 million. Kanye West doesn't know what in debt means. Right. He has $53 million with no return. He's still making money. He's yeah. still rich. It's just that he has invested $53 million into things that have not garnered mm. return. Right. So he's calling that in debt, which it's not. It just means that you haven't gotten into great ventures yet. Right. Right. Okay, so doing an album with Kanye mm-hmm. on one track. Yeah, called Armando Sante. Uh, and then what happened? Uh, and so then we started talking about, you know, how this record was going to come out and all these sort of big hits that I had Were you happy on. with it? Sure, mm-hmm. happy enough. I like listening to some of it back. I don't think it was a finished record. I think I still had work to do. Um, but we started to talk about releasing back in 2000. There were things you had to do to put out a record, which is like put it out in college underground, you know, oh, yeah. these, these like 12 inch singles. Mall and, tour. Exactly. Yeah. yeah Cause like I was going to live in a mall. Uh, yeah. and so they were like, these are the things that you have to do. And so we started to get marketing money ready and then things got really strange and like people weren't talking to me and people weren't calling me. And I went from being this like heralded rapper at the label to just like almost a plague, like mm-hmm. don't get near them. And so did they call you Carl? Yeah. No one knew Jensen. Oh, they people still know don't it. know. There are people in the world who still don't know Jensen. Just okay. like a Carl, they thought Carl was my name. Right. Like like Kanye, if someone goes, Jensen's releasing a book, he's gonna have no idea who that is. Mm-hmm. He'll know who Carl is. And so, um, I uh, so I, I didn't know what happened, and and I was tipped off by a record label guy that they were gonna um, shelf my record after spending you know seven hundred thousand dollars on it, which makes no sense. Right. And so, um, you know, there's so many rumors and and like conspiracy theories that have went around but the one that has stuck the most with a lot of phone calls and a lot of people telling me is that interscope didn't feel the need to release music by a white rapper while their biggest cash cow was a white rapper which was eminem oh. so there was no need to, it's like putting it's like <gasps> did putting he put the kibosh on your album i'm sure he did not okay. because uh he would not do that i assume i had known him in passing and i don't think that's even on his radar but i think his team the people who make decisions for him would just be like why would you do that it, it's more like if you were going to put imus on right after Howard Stern. It's like, well, right. don't do that. That doesn't make sense. Um, so I get it from a business standpoint, but the way it was handled was pretty dark. I was just sort of, I was just sort of pushed out. And then when I went in to meet with Jimmy Ivey and he had a like very strange, strange story for me about trying to get me to work there and stuff. So it was, it's a very, what was his story? Well, he wanted me to A&R there. He wanted me to give up rapping. And I was like, I literally just rapped yesterday. Like I, this isn't something I'm plus. Why can't you do? I mean, if he, if he really wants that, why can't you do both? Well, because he can't put out the record Oh, or that's what I'm assuming from him is that, he, you know, they called it scheduling conflicts, which is actually right. kind of a nice thing to call it. Cause that's true. It's what it was. Yeah. So, um, I didn't know what to do. And I'm also 21 or something. I'm like, what am I? I want to cry. You know, I right. want, I, this was my dream. Yeah. And so having it taken out from under me, I just kind of went with it. And Did it was they like, give you the album? Uh, they gave me a lot of the album, not all of it, but, it's it's on iTunes, not because of me. The whole album's did, on iTunes because someone put it on there. Did you try to talk them into it or fight them or? Um, no, no. I, I had so much pride and also like as a rapper, you've heard thirty years of people telling you record labels are garbage. Right. It's just a, a trope in hip hop, and I just was like, well, here it comes. You know, I kind of yeah. knew that was happening, and so I didn't. I wasn't going to beg these idiots to let my music out. Right. Yeah, and also Ugh, like I, also I so sad. It was never my goal to put out. You know, it was never my goal to be a hip hop star. Then I guess it's not that sad. Well, no, I mean, it's sad in a sense that 20, you know, you're fragile at 21 and 20. Right. So it was fragile to go through it. But now looking back, it's like, I can't tour. 
I physically can't travel like that. I become depressed and it, it would have been a terrible story for me. Okay. And, and I also just, I knew comedy was what I wanted to do. It wasn't, that's why right. I did hip hop even. So it was, it's a, it's a, a blessing that it didn't happen. Um, and now it's a major blessing in order to tell the story by, by this book, because I not only get to tell jokes, but I get to sort of, I feel be inspirational to tell people that creatively so many dead ends are in your life. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the bullying we're talking about. You yeah. can either, you can either let it bother you for the rest of your life or you can make a U-turn. Yeah. And, and that's what the book is really about. A fish out of water story. I, I was told I was going to be very famous. It didn't work out for a very young kid with big dreams. And instead I just turned around and tried a new one. And I've been lucky and successful in my other fields. And now, I can still fucking kill. <laughs> I still wrap my ass off. So you said you get depressed when you travel. Yeah, I have a yeah, very bad. What happens? Well, I wrote pro wrestling for a while mm-hmm. um, for Monday Night Raw for WWE, and we traveled to like three cities a week, and that was the first time I w- really felt what touring would have been like. I went to Jamaica, which you'll read in the book, and had a tough time as well. But I didn't know that it was about traveling really. And so Jamaica was work related or yeah, fun no, really? I, was, I was performing a sp- uh-huh. spring break as Hawk. Oh, Carl. cool, and. um near the end of my career. And that's when I decided I would no longer rap is in Jamaica having a tough time. And, um, what happened? Well, let's start with Jamaica. What happened there? Uh, well, you'll read in the book. I feel like it's kind of a big spoiler, but, okay. but I, 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 I dealt with very heavy depression in Jamaica okay. and, uh, and just handled it very strangely. Um, and sort of the sensitivity and obsessive thoughts that I have just mm-hmm. really caught up to me in Jamaica. And so those kind of, those kind of moments. And then when I went to WWE, I, I just hated traveling. So I started to take Ambien and I'm almost straight edge. Like I don't, I drink Mm -hmm. very little. I smoke weed very little. I don't do really anything else. And, um, I feel like that's, I can one be almost straight edge. I feel like the whole point of straight edge is is not do anything. Yeah. Well, straight edge also means no sex and that just means you're kind of weird. But I'm saying like, I'm saying like, I get what you're saying though. Yeah. I'm like very sober. I'm soberish. And so like, um, and so going out and, you know, doing seven Ambien to go to sleep is bonkers and weird. And that's what I was doing. Yeah. And that's, I woke up in a target in Stanford, Connecticut, which is where you write out of. And that's when I was like, I called my, I called my mom and was like, I got to get home. And so I I quit the next day uh, and then went to, went to my therapist immediately and was like, do I need to go into somewhere? And she's like, no, you'll just talk to me every day and you just can't take them again. And I was like, okay. And I've never taken them since, but that, but wow. I was taking, I was self-medicating this pain of traveling. Mm-hmm. And so, um, oh, if I was rapping, it would have been the worst, Yeah, the worst. And so, but then again, some of these people, I could have traveled with like six people and felt probably good about myself and been a weirdo codependency uh, situation. But, but I, I, I would have, I would have bricked out. I couldn't, I, there's no way I could travel like that. Right. Yeah. Do you enjoy traveling at all now? Um, <laughs> I could lie. I don't I, lie. Well, I enjoy traveling <clears throat> for vacation and short runs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't do long and I just, and I can't necessarily do alone long, mm-hmm. not because of codependency. That is a whole different feeling. I don't like traveling. I don't like the feeling. I don't like, like, I just don't love it that much. So yeah. it's more that than anything. It's very, very elementary. I don't like traveling very much. Mm. Yeah. So you you have OCD thoughts? I have is, obsessive thoughts disorder, yeah. Um, it's OCD. How does it manifest? Uh, well, when I was little, uh, I uh, used to imagine my grandparents' graves uh, mm. before sleep. They weren't dead. Uh, very cool. I was a very cool kid. Uh, <laughs> and so I, would, I wouldn't be able to sleep. So uh, my parents were like, well, that's weird. And it would happen with many things and I would mm. obsess over things like something big would happen. Like I get bullied yeah. out of my school and that would, I'd be over it in a week, but then my baseball Jersey would get dirty and I thought about it for two months. Mm. 
So there was a weird thing that, and then my parents put me in therapy because of it. And we're like, well, there's something that doesn't add up. And I guess I had a terrible therapist because she, that sounds so textbook. You would know exactly what that is, but she never diagnosed me with it. So I went on. What did she say was going on? Um, my mom doesn't really remember. I, I, I think it was about sleeping mostly because I mm-hmm. wasn't able to sleep. But she was just sort of like he is. I think she did catch on to the sensitivity thing. Right. He's very sensitive about his grandparents, which isn't necessarily true. I was, but it's really a bigger issue. Yeah. And so um, I would continue to feel cr- really crazy about certain things. Mm-hmm. Like in in college, I bought the wrong CDRs for to like record music. And I... And I still think about it. like I, it still comes up, and there's no no reason to even think that. Yeah. But there were small things that triggered these obsessive thoughts, and I have to run now. I I have a, a process to get rid of them. I run three and a half miles a day, basically, and like I I have to quiet them. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it's not a hot thing. It's not the best part of dating me, mm-hmm. um, but it's also the thing that keeps me awake and does work, and, and it makes me think about the right. gallery a lot. But like, so. okay, did you run today? I'll run when I go home. Do you have, you run <clears throat> on the street or like yeah. on a treadmill? Yeah, I run down. I run down the streets around here. Actually, what are? Excuse me. Something I have I a treadmill have. too, but in case of the weather is bad, I have a treadmill. But this is I try to run the streets. Like, what are today's obsessive thoughts about? Um, I mean, they're not that great. Uh, not too bad today, but I would say that there's this email I had been trying to send out for the gallery about these pins, and then um, also. I mean, just dumb stuff. Uh, someone paid my partner, Melissa, someone paid her for some pins and it went into her account. And I don't think she's stealing from me. That's not my problem. Mm. My problem is I'm going to forget that that money's supposed to go into the, into the company. Right. So I'm, I think about it more than any human should. Does that make sense? I relate. <laughs> okay. So like I, that will repeat. Yes. So I will feel that repeating over and over. Yes. Do you, have you tried to make a list? Does that help you at Yes. All? So lists of work. I've done... Um, the what's the almost cult like thing gtd yes getting things done done, so i dealt with that a little and uh i like it a lot Mm -hmm. i like certain parts of gtd and that has helped my that has very much helped my uh, my ot uh, obsessive thought disorder um but lists help uh and then um running is really the top but lists are up there lists are in top five why do you think running helps so much i don't know i was told by uh, a therapist that i loved for years that was part of my process and uh she was like, you should try running. And I was like, uh, no, I don't think so. And then she was like, no, you should. And I was like, okay. And then scientifically, it helps me. That's it, so interesting. Scientifically, it helps me. I, I, It's not even, I'm not even athletic, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I played basketball growing up and baseball and basketball is my true love with hip hop. And, uh, but I don't go out and shoot hoops or go running or anything. I just love the feeling that I receive mentally because mm-hmm. I can't, I don't do well with antidepressants or with o- obsessive medicines. I don't, right. They haven't worked for me. But running gives you a similar high. And that's been my savior, mm-hmm. my literal savior. Yeah. Do you consider yourself codependent? I think that I teeter on it. and I, But I think that I'm, um, I think that, because I've done those meetings and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that I am uh, so um, aware of it that I, that some of it is real. Like there's real, there's like real, I like being around people. Mm-hmm. And also like um, Jenny Slate was on um, Marin mm-hmm. and she talked about liking being in relationships. And she was like, I guess you could call that codependent, but I also just like it. And so like, there's a part of me that likes being around people similarly, you right. know? So um, I, I think that there's, there's 
as someone who's went to Coda and all those things, which I guess you're not supposed to say, but whatever, I don't care. Um, mm-hmm. There are things that would be funny if every time someone brings someone up, I'm like, oh, I know that guy from Coda. Uh, but <laughs> wait, I don't even. What is Coda? Codependent Anonymous. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, uh, oh, great. I just outed it. Um, and so, uh, those kind of things, like I, I'm well aware enough to say, like these are my faults and these are my strengths, and it hasn't gotten me necessarily into terrible holes and stuff, mm-hmm. which is what the real problem is, I think. Did you experience a trauma when you were young? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is tied in. Yeah. Right. So I. Oh, I, you. I was molested. Yeah. Do you I, not know that? You. <laughs> I just I'm that? realizing that I. You told me that you talk or somehow I maybe I listened to you talk about it on a podcast. Yeah, or, I talked, no, you about, talked it, about it on Paul Gilmartin. I did podcast, on Paul Gilmartin. So I haven't heard yeah. that episode, but I know that you mentioned. Yeah. That you had talked. About, okay. Yeah, I had a. I was uh, molested by a, a female camp counselor when mm-hmm. I was a kid. Uh, How old were you? I was 12, around hip-hop. Again, wise beyond my ears. Right. So that's the weird part is like I was always like girls that were older were always attracted to me and I fucking flirted with it because I thought it was cool and funny the same way that like talking about guns is funny mm. when you're like 12 and rapping. So I did the same thing with girls and one girl didn't understand the line. Right. And so she... Um, did she force herself on you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so and after a while I was like so frozen. I was like, okay, let's have sex. Like I didn't even... It wasn't even like, like a thing. Disconnected. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I just sat there frozen. Mm-hmm. Super weird. And then she later apologized a few years later. I saw her at my work when I worked at the swap meet. And, uh, that was sort of like this holy shit time of my life where like, I didn't tell anyone. And so told you hadn't people told later. anyone what happened. I told my parents because of the obsessive thoughts. So like the thoughts triggered because mm-hmm. of this incident, I'd had it before and now it's even more and I'm obsessing over our sex. So I had never told my mother that I had sex with this I did. I told them I had sex, but they thought it was someone in my in my grade. What was? How much older was she? She was eighteen. She was turning nineteen. And you were twelve. Twelve. What? Um. Like, what was the nature of the obsessive thoughts? Were you replaying it? Yeah, shame. It was. Uh, it's not shame. Yeah, obsessive shame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, I would always have that shame repeated. Did you feel, sh- um, shame, guilt, or like what was the shame? Um. Yeah, shame, guilt. That's fine. Yeah, my parents were. Um, my parents didn't care as much as I cared. They would later. They were like, but you felt like you were no longer a good boy, like that the worst. Kind of thing? Yeah, okay. and my parents because you had had sex. Yeah, my parents were like, oh, uh, we were gonna punish you, but like we would have never done what you did to yourself. Like they were like, you were in your room for two weeks. My dad oh. later would be like, I just wanted to go in there and be like, dude, who ca-? like well, who cares? <laughs> like because he thought it was someone in my grade, so yeah. he was like, who fucking cares, man? Like he wanted to go in and be like, you're gonna be fine. Yeah, but little did he know, I was actually like mourning something else. Like I didn't, I didn't know what the problem was, but I knew that there was a bigger problem than having sex with a girl in my grade. I knew that there's something else happened. What I just were didn't you know mourning? It. I think that this girl basically, I don't like saying rape because my life wasn't in jeopardy and I didn't right. feel overpowered in a way physically, but I was molested. I was, was a you loss know, of innocence. Yeah. And, and this person also was like very weird about it. And, and I fell in love with her because that's what 12 year olds do. Right. So, and then she didn't work at the camp the next summer and I like freaked out and that's good because she shouldn't be around kids. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it, you know, I was sort of going through this incident and then having her apologize when I was 15 when I was working at this place. Um, I've never really like told her like she was like, I'm sorry about what happened. I was like, it's great. <laughs> like, let's be in love. Like, I still like loved her at 15. Oh. So I, I didn't really know what to do. And um, that was sort of like a big moment of of like obsessive thoughts. Right. Yeah. Um. Did you find solace around that at a certain point? Um. Solace? not the right word i don't think i found solace sadly i think work yeah i worked through it so much yeah Mm -hmm. i mean she's clearly a victim as well yeah something happened to her so i don't i don't 
like I don't I didn't spiral into a monster and I didn't like go shoot up a school or something. I I I faced it and took it on and uh I'm happy that I was able to get through it, but yeah, I mean I hope that she just never did it to anyone else or I hope that she got help for what she needed or was it I hope this is not an insensitive no, it's question. Fine. I think talking about it has helped me so much. I was so secretive for a long time and then yeah. Paul's the first time I ever talked about it. So I mean I never even tell most people I dated. Was so. it well that was gonna be my question. Yeah. Was now, it now weird then when you became sexually active? Yeah. No, it was super weird. Uh I didn't have sex again until eighteen. Mm-hmm. And then uh I think I talked about this on Paul. Yeah, I'm sure I did. I didn't hide anything. But I like cried in college having sex with a girl. <laughs> like this woman. She must I'm sure like, she was delighted. I, was she? I she probably terrified. Oh really? I don't oh. know. I don't, she's I very sweet and she's a very nice yeah, girl. Yeah, I would think that she would be dated. like, Oh, it meant something to you too. Well, I don't think I told her why I was crying. Still. Yeah. I guess I guess. That would be the assumption. I guess. But yeah, um she was very sweet about it and uh and I didn't know why I was crying, so I didn't tell her why. Right. I sort of lived in it and we um she has kids and we're on Facebook friends. Um but yeah, that sensitivity is kicking in again, which is like, you know, um, I felt that more than anyone else. Also, like, what idiot 18-year-old is crying having sex at, you know, University of Arizona? Like, it's terrible. <laughs> uh, so I... Wait, that's where you went? I went there for one year. Oh, and then you... Yeah, transferred to USC. Gotcha. Uh, and so, yeah, and so I ended up sort of feeling that, and then, yeah, and then you you go through weird shit, and you kind of try to figure out who you are in sort of a weird, uh, which, what does sex mean to me because mm-hmm. of this one instance. So yeah, I feel like I've gotten to a better place, but I, again, more sensitivity towards something that I went through and then moving forward from it. Right. Mm-hmm. And how long were you, sounds like you were in love with this woman yeah. for a long time. Yeah. Like I thought I saw her at Comic-Con like six years ago and I like felt the like weird bumps again. Like I was like, what? Like I felt like the goosebumps. It wasn't oh, her. So do you st- do you still sort of have a no nothing what's your feeling towards her now now i would just be like that's so fucked up like and i think she'd probably based on what i when i saw her when i was 15 i'm sure she would be like you're right so i don't really i don't think anything would be crazy but i i I saw someone who who reminded me of her and so i went up to her and was like what is your name and she was like oh it's something and i go oh that's not her but you were friends with her and she's like right and i was was like oh i'm jensen and she's like oh good to see you i remember you she was another camp uh, another lifeguard at camp and uh she was like I was like, do you still talk to this girl? And then uh, she's like, no, I haven't talked to her in years. And she's like, oh, she liked, I remember there was something about, I was like, right. I was like, she actually molested me. And it was like the weirdest moment of Comic-Con that's ever happened. Like silence around us. And she's like, I am so sorry. And she had said she knew something was wrong with her. She was like, something was weird with her. Um, she's like, I'm so sorry to hear that happen. I was like, bye. And just like, took <laughs> like the worst exchange ever between two people. Um, but no, I don't, I don't think I, I wouldn't want to see her anyway. So it was better off. <laughs> I can I feel like I can potentially one up your terrible exchange. Oh, please. I'm not sure I, it might not be on the same level. Yeah. But I know that I went to a party and I ran into someone like a loud this is many years ago, a loud party, a publicist who I only had a like very um not intimate relationship with at all, just mm-hmm. someone a professional relationship. And this person was like, Oh, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm okay, but my friend just killed himself. <laughs> Jesus. Was there music playing? <laughs> yes. Was it, it was did the music change to wah, wah, <laughs> it was wah. a needle scratch? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there it is. It was a party for Raygun magazine. <laughs> okay. Uh, and I just remember like the person that he was with was like, Oh my god, that's awful. And I'm like, Yeah, it's just, you know, like fighting back tears. But yeah. it was so not reading the room, no. not the appropriate, like not light party chatter. No. The appropriate response was I'm I'm great. I'm doing you good. Yeah, times have been better, yeah. but I'm doing good. Yeah, no, I oh didn't do god. that either. So anyway, mm-hmm. maybe it's not as bad as yours, but it's it's, oh, up, it's up there, there in terms of uh, complete 
awkward exchanges yeah. in in a room that disregard. is having a good time yeah, disregard <laughs> or was. for other people's joy yes yeah no i i i'm ha- again another thing i'm happy i went through but um it does sort of it helps tell the story of why i'm obsessive and why i have these things right yeah right do you consider yourself someone who struggles with depression not really no i did at one time but that's 20s i think i don't yeah. i don't think i had anything that was and also like losing a record deal will make you very depressed right so like i don't think i faced anything out of the ordinary for my depression and i think i just once i hit like 30 and also once i started running i know i'm just like promoting running like it's paying me but once i started running i felt better i mm. mean i just started to work through it right yeah um but did you go to a different label i ended up putting out a record through other people and then in the book i talk about like when i wanted to give up i i was like applying for every job that i could get but i mean like your resume is weird when you're like i just wrapped with snoop dogg last week you know it's like a very strange resume so i would like apply for like flower delivery i applied at amoeba like i was just trying to get a job and then someone reached out and was like well we could put out your record uh we'll give you a couple grand i was like well i gotta take that and that's sort of where jamaica happened and that's Mm -hmm. where i was doing a job i should not have been doing right and that's where everything sort of came crashing for me but now you've recently started rapping again a little bit. Yeah, just messing around. Um, I was on a Nova song, The Clippers, the Los Angeles Clippers. I'm a super fan. They asked me to do a halftime song, so I'd mm. done that two seasons ago. That was really the first time I'd rapped in like a decade. Um, and then now I am doing some promotional stuff, like some videos here or there where I'm rapping and uh, doing a song with some of my favorite rappers from the Valley, including Mike Shinoda from Lincoln Park, who I grew oh, up cool. with. And so we um, are, are doing a song together that I don't know if anyone will care about, but um a lot of the promos for the book are me rapping to the camera with all new stuff and it's been very fun that's awesome yeah very strange let's take some questions that people sent in over twitter please when we ask they send them in they're wondering how you have been so thanks so much for answering these questions from our fans Fat Tony says... Oh, that's a good start. Are you going to release your book in an audio format? Yes. I don't read. Yes. Well, number one, you should read, friend. <laughs> uh, two, um, yes, there's an audio book. I just found out the other day it doesn't come out at the same time. I guess that's super common. Yeah. Um, but there's an audio book, and I just hired the guy who's going to read all my lyrics, because I do all the normal stuff, mm-hmm. and then I didn't want to read my own lyrics. So uh, we have a guest coming in to do all the lyrics. Who is it? Someone known? It's, no, it's it's more of like a gimmick. Okay. Yeah, it's not so much like oh, it's this person, but it's like oh, it's this per- type of person, which is good. Well, now I want to know. I'll tell you off. AJH says, "Ask him about his new clothes." New clothes. Yes. Is this person involved in selling you clothes? No, it's a term that we. Uh, <laughs> the podcast has made a weird term. What happened is my, my partner, Matt, mm-hmm. who I do the show with, got divorced in the during the podcast, which is always like a terrible thing to go through as a podcast host. Because right. like, what's new, man? And then you have 20 minutes to fill of talking and you, you don't bring up your divorce because yeah. it's like a weird thing. So after a while, we... <laughs> Maddie started coming to the podcast wearing new clothes all the time. <laughs> and that's like a very out of a relationship thing to do. Like when you're after... Like you're like, oh, I'm going to go get new clothes. And it's like a very... It's like... Right. It's a weird makeover you go through while you're breaking up. Uh, and so the reference being um, that I will come onto the podcast and just go, hey, guys, uh, new clothes, meaning, you broke, meaning you broke up. So I assume people know I'm out of a, a recent relationship. And so him saying new clothes is something I have not yet said on the podcast, but I will be saying on my podcast very soon. Yeah. Now, <laughs> and then old clothes. It's great times. You're, when, you're in love. When I did your podcast, Maddie wasn't there because he was getting married. Yes. Did he get remarried? He got or, remarried. Yeah, okay. yeah. No. What I if he got like, divorced? This happened very fast. Three months ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We have a very quick running podcast. <laughs> Everything happens in five minutes. Right. Yeah. No. 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 Okay. He's in love. He's in old clothes now. 
Um, how come you are in new clothes? I just was in a relationship uh, for off and on two years, and uh, and we're just we're just better off as friends. Mm-hmm. It was just one of those things where uh, we were. Uh, you get so comfortable because this person's so great in your life, and and uh, man, I love watching basketball, and you know, there's so many things you like doing with this person, and then you're like, oh, but there's like a thing you have to like. There's a certain thing you have to be into to get married. At thir- I'm 36, mm-hmm. so I'm not. I want to have a child, so you can't really be in a relationship where that's the only part. You know what I mean? Like it has to be a well-rounded sort of like, I also want to be married to this person and, and you have to kind of face like you, that. Thing. Are you saying you have to want more with them than just hanging out and At watching 36, basketball? You don't want to waste yeah. anyone's time. Right. You know, even hers or even anyone's time. Right. You, don't, you don't want to be in your thirties and just sort of being like, so like there was something missing that you need in order to want to have absolutely. a baby with someone or, or, or to just waste more people's time. Right. I mean, you, I mean, even, even not evolved as evolved as you're saying, like, I just think at a certain point in your age, you have to go, Oh, I'm an adult. Like, yeah. I, I'm not going to make the same mistakes I made when I was 19. Like, um, I'd rather us save this friendship and try to move forward. Right. And and uh, and that was sort of where we got to, which is great. And we had, you know, we had a podcast together and all these things that that um, that we can continue to, to sort of live in mm. if, if we want. If not, it's fine. But I'm so happy to have a 36-year-old ending of a relationship where I'm like, yeah, we're, we're friends. And that feels great because I've blown up a lot of shit in the past and this is something different. So right. it feels special. That... And new ass clothes. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. One of my husband's um, biggest regrets is that he feels that he wasted someone's time before me. It's a terrible feeling. Yeah. It's a terrible feeling. Um, and then I, I always am like, well, it's it's not just one person's fault when that happens, you no. know, but he feels that it was his, that that aspect, the wasting time aspect it's shitty, was his yeah. fault. Yeah. It's, I'm not, I, she's, it's not like I like, this is not something we, I wasn't like, she's not like, oh, you wasted my time at all. Right. That's not what it is. But that's what my thought process is sort of sort of moving forward with anyone right. I, like why would so i you're bringing that urgency to every relationship now <laughs> we're getting married tomorrow uh no it's just that i'm not an urgency it's just like i'm not gonna waste you your fucking yeah. time yeah okay alisa says or potentially Alyssa. either i don't care how can i up my sock game so this is a reference to uh pistol shrimps radio which is a a, a, a podcast with Matt Gorley and right. Mark McConville, who are two of the funniest people in Los Angeles. And uh, they, um, <laughs> that, uh, Melissa, who was my ex-girlfriend, uh, and a bunch of my friends, a bunch of my comedian friends, uh, started a basketball team together. Mm-hmm. And it's become this phenomenon in they're Los Angeles. Star-studded. It's crazy. Aubrey Plaza's on the team, a bunch of people on the team. And they're so fun to watch. And I even as a friend, I just like going. And um, so Mark and Matt have this great idea to start a podcast of play-by-play of the games except they know nothing about basketball <laughs> so like the first season they're like they take the field and they, the ball goes they don't know anything <laughs> they've learned a lot over time um but i started showing up at halftime as the sock report so i would then <laughs> be able to report on which girls are wearing cool socks and then those girls started to wear socks that made me talk about them in the report and then this last week we released uh, for the first time pistol shrimp socks so they have their own socks now uh so yes i play a character on the podcast that has involved Scientology and involved drug abuse and so many weird things in this character. But uh, you can up your sock game very easily in 2016. Mm -hmm. There are so many websites and I love uh, so many companies like Stance and so many of those sites that have great sublimated socks. If you want Drake socks, you just Google it. They're there. What are sublimated socks? Like they're printed like a t-shirt almost. So they don't have to, they don't have to like embroider it on the sock. So now it's like a picture. Gotcha. Yes. Because I don't, I don't like. I have a pair of socks that oh, has these. Sorry, Wu Tang logo and weed leaves. I feel like those are it's good. A sock. It's a sock. 
I was going to tell you my sock woe. What is it? Well, I have a pair of socks. They're clearly not sublimated because <laughs> right. they have little flowers on them. Great. You'd think. Right. But they're uncomfortable because there's like, I think they must be embroidered. So you can feel it on the inside and yeah. it feels like a bunch of little prickly polka dots. <laughs> that is a shit fest. Yeah. Yeah, you don't I want I don't that. ever wear them anymore. No, you don't want that. Because f- fuck those socks. <laughs> yeah, you don't want those. All right. Joe Ranieri says, yes. why is he so obsessed with Zsa, Zsa Gabor? Okay, well, this is a bit that has went... Uh, it's a real... Okay, All of my, any bit I've ever had has come from a real feeling. Sure. Five years ago, I tweeted, Happy New Year's, or as Jaja Kapoor calls it, My Last New Year's, which is just <laughs> a dumb tweet because she was supposedly dying. Yeah. That was five years ago. She's had legs amputated. She she's, has? Yes. She's been, she's been given last rites by the press six or seven times in the past four or five years. Her husband is this weird story where he most likely is Norman Batesing her and keeping her alive near a window. Mm. Like, like there's something weird going on with that. And then this last month they were like, oh, it's her last days and she's still alive. And like we're losing you like, get, like Merle a, Haggard. Do you get a Zsa, Zsa Gabor email blast or something? I, she's on my Google alerts. But I will tell you this. I tweet so much. Anytime a celebrity dies, I write Zsa, Zsa Gabor still alive which is just a dumb thing that has become uh, very... Uh, people look for it when someone dies. Mm-hmm. I also, <laughs> every New Year's for the last five New Year's, I have come up with a different joke related to it being Zsa Zsa Gabor's last, right. last... So it has become part of my thing. I will tell you this. The day she dies, I will turn off my phone because it will be chaos. Because mm. I have done it for so long that it will just be a day of people being like, holy shit, holy... I would just, what would be a great bit, but I'm not going to do it, but it would be so funny if I just just deactivated my account <laughs> like, <laughs> like you go to check me and i'm not there anymore purely because once jaja's dead i don't want to be around right. uh but yeah i i am obsessed with the idea that she's still living it she's you know her daughter died of old age <laughs> i didn't know that that happened her daughter died of old age what's her daughter's name i don't know i, Papa, just know I don't have no idea it was like a normal name it was like it was karen like, yeah karen gabor <laughs> <laughs> it was priscilla gabor no right. I don't, I, it was some normal name but but that got me a lot of tweets too being like oh her daughter died of old age that's how old she is. Right. Ugh. Jaja, you, you vampire. You alive rascal. <laughs> you immortal vampire. <laughs> She's living off the blood of other people at this point. Let's uh, do just me or everyone. But first, I'm trying to th- I've decided recently to change up the order of things. Sure. Um, and I'm just trying to think which thing to insert. Oh, I know. Hey, you need an Allison Rosen is your new best friend t-shirt. There's two different designs. Go to AllisonRosen.com and go to the store. Uh, also, follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. Follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-N-B-F. Email us, A-R-I-Y-N-B-F show at gmail.com. I'm on Snapchat, Allison Rosen, BFF, Instagram, YouTube. I'm everywhere and I could list it all, but it's just, there's too much. Just Follow me everywhere. Jeff, where should we go for you? You can find me on Facebook and Twitter at Colonel Jeff Fox. Jeff is the... Pr- I'm realizing this is the first time you've spoken, right? No, no I we- said something about something. We, okay. a- we asked him a question about OJ. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah he, that guy's still here. And I did, resi- <laughs> I did resist the temptation to say that I'm wearing my very favorite socks today. Oh, and I put them on and they very resist. excited me. What is don't it? Don't resist. And please. they made my shoes feel like new shoes. Oh, these are the best kind of socks. You're, you're hyping them up. Oh, these are great. So he has he has uh, skull bunnies sort of flying in the air, and they're great. They're flies, and they're like... Uh, I like it. They're great. If skull if flies had skulls. Listen, that's, are very that's the premise of very many cool things, you. including your socks. If it was a soccer port, you would get, you would get big thumbs up. Thank you. Jensen, yes. tell everyone where to go to find you and plug 
the book that which you want to plug yeah it's, you can follow me on twitter it's at jensen clan 88 that's with a c because i'm not racist so it's j-e-n-s-e-n-c-l-a-n because 88 is, is racist. also racist yeah. which i didn't know uh j-e-n-s-e-n-c-l-a-n 88 and then jensencarp.com which is where you can see everything i do and uh that's where you could pre-order the book it's mm-hmm. called kanye west owes me 300 dollars, and it tells the story of my entire rap career from third grade to the last day i decide to stop rapping uh and it's uh comes out june 7th and uh there's gonna be so many cool things around it and uh, i've gotten such great praise from from people which you'll see on that amazon page uh and i'm really excited about it it's it's been a very cathartic experience for me and and i'm so excited with the the product and i've never really put my face on something Mm -hmm. as many things as i've done and produced it's always been sort of you know the podcast is sort of a large it's me and maddie and it's like more about the concept it's never i'm never pushing myself and this is really the first time i've had that confidence and I'm, i'm really really proud of it um, what was the experience of writing the book like? A little little nightmarish at times. Uh, I, I originally pitched a um, book of short stories, which mm-hmm. is like the easiest thing to do because then you don't have to like face yourself. Right. Uh, and the, the publisher... So it's hard to get published though. Very hard. So yeah. Crown... Well, because they want a narrative. Yeah. So Crown uh, Books was the first person. They immediately wanted to buy it and they were like, uh, but we're not interested in short stories. We're interested in a chronological story. And so I got on the phone with the editor and he was like, here's why. And I said, okay. And I just believed in him and he was right. Uh, and so I sat down and wrote it and, uh, you know, I got like six chapters done really fast and I got pretty much halfway done very fast. And then I just hit a block mm. and, uh, the editor who's so adorable, Matthew, he's just the best. He would hear me on the would podcast. Do you want to be described as adorable? I hope so. Cause he's getting it. Uh, <laughs> he, he, on the podcast, I would go to Matt. I go, you know, Matt, I don't know my debt, my deadline. I really didn't. And Matt, in the the cutest way, let me go about two more weeks, then just sent me an email being like, hey, man, I don't know if you know the deadline. Clear, <laughs> clearly read, hearing the podcast. Right. And then I had to write, you know, I got I got done early, but I really had to speed up and get get it done. And I knew the story. I, you know, I had lived it. So chronologically, it was just about sitting down and mm-hmm. getting through the feeling you get every five days, which is why the fuck would anyone care about this, which is what you feel over and over again. Um, and you just had to, um, Melissa had a great, would every once in a while when I'd have that would have a great response, which is idiots write these. <laughs> which is true. Idiots write these books. Yeah. Just remember, you're not an idiot. You have an actual story. Um, and so I would just sort of, I would truck through it. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Did we play Just Me or Everyone the song yet? Let's do that now. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? Did I neglect to mention we also have ringtones available? Well, I'm oh. really wedging these everywhere. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. And also, touch the touch, you can get these the tushy, on my tushy, website tushy, in the, the store. Tushy, also uh, in iTunes, and there's a bonus episode. There's multiple bonus episodes available in iTunes in the comedy album section of the iTunes store as well. Just search Allison Rosen or search Allison Rosen as your new best friend. I Did forget. I blow it by talking about molestation? No. Oh, okay, good. You would have blown it by not talking about molestation. Well, and it sounds say. like I'm joking, but I'm serious. You must have read my bumper sticker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, and I honked. Yeah, thank you. Because I do love it. Thank you. Perlee with three E's says, that's her name, Perlee mm-hmm. with three E's. Just mirror everyone. Someone else brews coffee at work. It smells amazing. I brew my own cup. Not the same. No, I don't have that. I think coffee smells good when someone else brews it and also when I brew it. I have only had coffee once. What? Yeah, it's a it's a podcast thing. I've only drank it once on the podcast. How'd it go for you? It's fine. I don't is know. Is this because you're like, almost straight edge? No, it's not like it smelled like burnt chocolate. It was like burnt chocolate. I was like, oh, this is like cool burnt chocolate. That's mm-hmm. what I felt. But I, um, as a kid, um, I like had a, like adrenaline, a lot of adrenaline. So like sounds my, like it. Yeah, and so like I just had a lot of heart. 
it's like it was just ah, jumpy and then reggie lewis died on the court all these things happen in basketball and i got nervous because i'm jewish and went to see a doctor <laughs> and uh he was like listen maybe maybe back off caffeine and that was before you would drink coffee anyway mm. and so i eventually grew into my body because that's what adrenaline is like you just get better at it mm-hmm. as you get older and uh i don't have that problem anymore but i just never got into coffee gotcha. so on the podcast it came up and then i drank it once on the air and i don't know it was probably anticlimactic for people did you feel amped up after yeah a little it? jumpy same as a mountain dew or something yeah it's not like i've avoided caffeine do you drink tea no do you drink any hot beverage post uh, i'll do i'll do i'll do uh hot chocolate okay yeah that's what i'll do if you, we go to get coffee right yeah i'm not gonna lie to you coffee it's the greatest thing ever i know people say that but it's an acquired taste yeah that's how I feel about like like uh, urchin at sushi bars because <laughs> okay. I can uni? tell you like uni's the best. Uni, yeah, yeah, uni's the best. And then someone will be like, "Oh my god, it tastes like vomit." And I'm like, "Tastes like a, my husband says it tastes like a wharf." And I love it. It's so good. I've never had it. Oh, it it's incredible. It looks so gross. It looks See? like now. This is how I feel about coffee. Oh, uh, really? Kind of. I'm just like oh, I didn't get it. I, I mean, I get it. I, it's fine, I guess. But like, I feel that way about like uni. How do you feel about coffee ice cream or uni ice cream? Oh, is there uni ice cream? <laughs> You made I don't that up. Think so. You made that up. I made that up. Yeah. Well, don't tease me. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Coffee ice cream tastes like burnt chocolate. <laughs> okay. Scott Hatherly <laughs> says, find it super irritating when people respond to how's it going with it's going. I think I might have done that in my life, but not regularly. I don't like it. You don't like it either? No, it's a bit. I don't know. It's like a dumb. It's like a. I don't know if it's a bit as much as. It's going. Like when I ran into the publicist at that party mm-hmm. years ago, how have you been? How's it going? I should have said it's going. Not my friend killed himself. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 it's going. It's the way I'm hearing it. I don't know. It's going. Sounds better. But then it's going. Like feels very needle nose Ned from, yeah. from Groundhog Day. Like All it just right. sounds, sounds like you got a thing going. How do you feel? What about, about when they do the take where it's like a grind where they go eh, it's going that's kind of yeah. that's i think that's, how it's normal i think delivered. that's a little better yeah yeah i mean it's like it's the guy who writes cheers at the end of his email i don't know it's a bit i don't like that either oh i don't like that either yeah me neither how well what's a good sign off though my name or best i like best i use best all the time really yeah best best oh my god i don't like best <laughs> treat like as a monster with don't- regards <laughs> <laughs> that was a, a great drop uh i don't like best but i never had a negative response to your email Z- no no I'm, i best is a thing it's more of a thing than cheers i think oh really cheers is annoying to me how do you feel about this one warmly no oh, i can't do that no no please i feel like warmly is the biggest this is like i'm a nice person i'm a nice person at the end of an email that's probably bitchy yeah someone's like fuck your dreams warmly, warmly. Jensen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay all right all right you we said have warmly. scheduling conflicts yeah. warmly. <laughs> warmly jimmy ivan uh, Ashley Bloodworth says, I get super anxious and upset when someone posts a selfie of themselves while obviously driving or stuck in traffic. Hashtag be safe. I don't know that I get anxious or upset, but I definitely notice it. And I think... Well, Snapchat's become a real... Yeah. That's like a bigger problem because I can see people driving and I've done it driving, mm. but I know I'm at a red light. That's still pretty bad. But uh, I'm like, that's probably not a good place to do anything. Right. I recently took a photo of myself while driving at a stoplight Yes, because I wanted to see what the like location specific filters were, but I did it with the camera really low. So <laughs> right. no one would see me holding the phone. And like, right. it's very hard to get a flattering angle when you do that. Yeah. It's a lot of chin. Yeah. Well, I had to I, like stretch my chin out. It's just <laughs> very, it's a terrible photo. Pushed it out. Toby Milton says, hate it when a storyline I love in a book or movie does not get resolved. I mean, in theory, I hate it, but I need an example. Um, 
not get resolved. Well, I'm sure that it happens. At pro pro wrestling, which I wrote for a while, it happens all the time. Okay. So they'll like a, like Vince McMahon blew up in a car once, and then he came back three months later, and they didn't bring up how he blew up in a car. <laughs> so like that happens a lot. And then there was also a, a famous one where for months they were showing. Um, backstage footage from a hidden camera and at the bottom of the thing it said gtv and that was like exposing all these wrestlers and then they just never told you what gtv was <laughs> like that happened a lot but that's just because of bad writing i think it's always because of bad writing probably. yeah i'm trying to think what tv show has done lost it probably oh yeah that's a biggie it. yeah i worked over there so i probably shouldn't talk too much but that, there were a lot of story you lines worked that, for lost i did marketing for lost yeah oh. for the final season yeah What'd you do? Like anything that wasn't like a billboard or anything that wasn't traditional. So I did like a scavenger hunt all around the world that like involved posters and you could buy them. And then I did shows at UCB with a bunch of the stars of the show. Like anything that was like strange and weird partnerships with like the Susan Sarandon's ping pong place and just all cool hip shit. I didn't know she has a ping pong place. She's super into it. Do you know Paris Hilton? No, when I was Hot Carl, she was around and um, I had met her a bunch of times and I used her name in a song. So she thought that was funny because no one had done that yet. Right. But I don't know her, know her, no. Okay. Yeah. We shared many of thingies because we were both like on the come up. Mm -hmm. But that was it. J-Mo's for a... Nope. Sorry. No, yes. J-Mo's... I'm a professional. (laughs) Are you having a stroke? (laughs) Be honest with me. J-Mo's for A-Rose says, hold my breath as long as I can if someone coughs or sneezes nearby to limit my intake of their germ cloud. That's everybody, right? Or Howie Mandel. It's either everybody or just Howie. (laughs) (laughs) I don't do that. Um, Well, if the person sounds really sick, then I do. But if just if someone sneezes, I don't do it. I hate it, though. Hate, I don't like it. You're a germaphobe? Not a germaphobe at all. I just think it's respectful to put your hand over your face. Yeah. And, and I've had sneezes sneak out and I like think about them for months. Like I'm like, man, I was on that airplane and just snuck out and I feel like I like the outbreak monkey. Like I feel mm-hmm. like I like ruined this whole plane. But um, yeah, I mean, don't I don't know. Don't go out if you're sick. I also feel that way about like if I had a workplace that was like an office, I'd just fucking hate people who do that. Right. I don't know. Um. You would have, I, I threw up three times on a plane. I had never had that happen. And then it happened. Because you were sick? I, I think I must have, I didn't know I was sick till suddenly I was on the plane and I'm like, I'm extremely sick. But is that motion sick? I thought it was, except when I think about it, I sort of was feeling a, like extra tired the day before. And then I was sick for a day when we got to New York. So. And don't was, forget that uh, salad that you made in the garbage disposal. <laughs> I forgot about that. I always forget about that. Okay. <laughs> that might be culpable. I don't know that it was food poisoning, though. I was making a, a piece of lettuce <laughs> dropped into the sink. Oh. I was making a salad. You put it back? I rinsed it off and put it back because I was like, in a restaurant, they would just give this to you. What? You, need, you needed that one piece of lettuce so know. bad? No, I don't know what it... I don't know. I wasn't going to let the, my life be ruled by fear. The fact, <laughs> it's a weird time to put your foot down. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a weird hill to die on. Yeah. But the fact that you think that they would have put it back in a restaurant is the argument to throw it away. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's a weird, well, weird I, choice. I, I don't do anything like that anymore. I've learned my lesson. I respect your integrity. Yeah. Like you're adapting. This by the way, this makes me sound like a pathetic, pathetic human being, but I'm gonna just talk about this anyway. Sometimes I'll eat hard-boiled eggs just directly over the trash can because I just want to eat the egg whites and I want to throw the yolk away. But sometimes in the process of throwing the yolk away, I will also throw the half of the white away that I wanted to eat. And then you'll go in? There have been times. Depending on, like if it just falls on top of a magazine. But just recently I was like, no more. No more picking my egg whites 
out of the trash, that's even people, if it fell straight onto a magazine. That's what people do to stop eating something. Like oh, I like, do that too. Yeah, like I don't yeah. want to eat this. I'm going to put this in the trash. Oh no, no, that's not what I. Do. <laughs> <laughs> that's not what I do. What do you, what do you mean? Like I'll. Sp- <laughs> oh no, this is going weird. <laughs> like I'll spray cleanser or soap oh, yeah, yeah. on something yeah. and then put it in the trash. Okay. Because oh. if I put it in the trash without putting anything on it, you'll still find it. I'll find it later. You're like the Fisher King. You're like a home. <laughs> you're like a homeless fighter. That's this is me. amazing what you're doing. I am not the only one. No, you're definitely not. I. This is a real thing. Yeah. But yeah, just recently, I'm like, you know, because the thing is, you're so invested at the point that you're dropping your egg in the trash. I mean, you've hard boiled it. You've peeled it. You've broken it in half. Yeah, real journey. You're changed. You can't go back. They'll sense that you're different. (laughs) The eggs will sense it. They'll tell their friends. (laughs) That's right. Their family will show up. All righty. Mrs. B. Harper says, why do people wait for someone to pull out of first spot in parking garage? Go. There are spots closer to the elevator stairs. Yeah, it's irritating. I'm slightly part of the problem, though. Are you? Yeah, because I don't really need to get close. I like walking. So I'll like wait. Or I won't even like I know I've dated people before who are like, you just pick the furthest spot from the door. And I'm like, no, I'm cool with it. I don't really. It's not that far. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not miles away. I just picked the furthest from the arc light elevator it's not that's 80 80 more steps i don't know sometimes i do think it's ridiculous how much time people will waste trying to get a close parking spot yeah i agree just yeah. park it's yeah. all close it's close problem. enough you know what i hate lately i've decided <laughs> hmm. parking garages i just hate them i In particularly general. hate like here's an it's a real la thing regional yeah like this the cvs i go to frequently parking garage the trader joe's near not my the, house the one the cvs no, it's okay. not the one near your house. That's a bad parking too. Yeah. Um, but there's a Trader Joe's that I sometimes go to. Well, those are unanimously structure. bad parking spots for white people. Trader Joe's. That's like the bane of white people's existence. Oh, I was going to... I'm like, are they better for black people? <laughs> no, no, they just have terrible <laughs> just, parking lots of white people complain about Yes. Yeah. Um, all targets seem to be parking structure based. Are you a fan of the green and red lights? Because I feel like that has revolutionized the parking lot. Where are these lights? So they're mostly in malls and you'll drive down a lot, like you'll drive down a thing and you'll just see lights on top of where the cars are. Oh, yeah. And they're either green or red and green tells you there's an open spot. Yes, I appreciate that. But in general, I just find the trip... Mind you, I'm someone who eats eggs out of the trash, so I'm weird. (laughs) Yeah. But I find the... The parking to be stressful. I find getting out of my car and getting to the store to be stressful. And then I find getting from the store back into my car to be like, it's all stress versus just a big old outdoor parking lot like they have in the suburbs. You want to park in Coachella? I'm trying to figure out you want a huge lot. I want to go to a grocery store in the suburbs where you just park and you walk in. I get that. And you don't have to. I I don't know why I don't like parking structures. I just don't. I see what you're saying. Okay. I mean, let's not even get involved with the Grove. Oh, my God. Please. I mean, I'll go to the Grove, but it's... Well, if you park on the farmer's market side, that is a big part. But big, a lot... But not... Oh, again, we're getting real regional. But yeah. it's very hard to get those spots. I know. They're coveted. Don't I know? They're coveted. I know. Uh, let's see here. Okay. I hope the next question is about the Grove. Ash says... I have gotten just me everyone's about the Grove, but oh. I don't have one today. Okay, all right. Uh, and this is the last one. I close the door behind me in the bathroom or shower every time and lock it. I live alone. No, I don't do that. No, I, I don't. actually leave the door open frequently so my dog can come in and out. Yeah, I'll poop free. Yeah. I wouldn't I don't I but I lock the door immediately when I get home. I do too. That's one I'll I'll never because one time a guy walked in. What happened? He I was like ready to murder him, but it was a uh, open house. 
next door to me. Oh. And he just walked in on his phone into the wrong place. And I was like, get the fuck out of here. And he's like, what? And I was like, this isn't the open house. And he, and he was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. And he just like walked out. And I was like, oh, I'm never letting that happen again. Because that could have been anyone. That's so interesting that you were immediately um, on the offensive with him. Because I would have been like, Oh, he, but he barged in. On? Okay. He like was like, and he was like on the phone. He's like, I don't know this house. And I was like, what, are you, what the fuck are you doing? Like, yeah. it was very like, please leave. Right. Yeah. No, and also I don't, I don't mess around. You're in the house. Yeah. I'm trying to think what I would do if someone wandered into my house. Well, that's why I got a gun. I don't know. That's what someone would say if they were in the South. But I like you would shoot I them. I think that I would probably not I shoot wouldn't. them. I would but... never do that. But I, that's what people, that's why people want guns. Yes. Way, yeah. Yeah. Come to think of it, I don't think I would be like sanguine about it. Like, oh, hey, you can't. what's going on? No, no, I think I would freak the fuck out. That's what I did. Yeah, because I would feel like a, it's an immediate threat. Yeah, and also this guy, it was like he was like douchey, so it was like it wasn't like a he was just kind of I was like it was like a aggressive vibe. How was his sock game? I didn't look. If I did, I probably would have let him in and hang out. Yeah, have a pizza, man. I like your socks. <laughs> <laughs> well, you Jensen, total stranger, Jensen Carp. Yes, it was delightful having you on the show. I'm very happy I came. <laughs> Thank I'm, you I so appreciate much. it. We got deep. We totally got deep. Started. Take that, Grace Helbig. Yeah, oh God, what a what a real shitty show. She, I'm trying to, I'm trying to beef you out here. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get a flame going. I mean, I think her thing is that her show doesn't go deep, right? So, well, but, fuck her. But still, I don't, I don't care. I, don't, I genuinely, she's very sweet. I have no idea why it's so. She's very nice. Yeah, she's very nice. This is why I'll never be big because <laughs> you got to beef. If we've, learned anything, to. if we've learned anything from Drake and Meek Mill, right now, we take um, music submissions on our podcast. We get uh-huh. fans who turn in theme songs. They're going at each other. Really? And it's beautiful. It's That's beef nice. season, we call it. Beef, ooh. Basically, rappers are going at each other through our themes. Right. And it's be- it's stunning. The things that are going on are incredible. So. I mean, I feel like that goes against my whole message, but I think you guys, <laughs> Allison Rosen community whose basic thing is that you're all super nice and supportive of each other mm-hmm. take one another down exactly this is how tupac and biggie started <laughs> same way this is on hey, a podcast hey hey i love you all right uh and remember click through, if you're gonna buy something on amazon they like have my everything book. buy the book yeah do it through, your through thing. the amazon banner alicerosen.com it doesn't cost you anything extra thank you guys for your amazon support thank you for paypal support thank you for all your support if you like what you're hearing subscribe allison nope itunes.com slash allison rosen is where you go to subscribe but you can also listen on the website okay thank you for listening i love you goodbye hey do you know about the allison rosen show Sam Rose